All right. I'm here. It's the MBM podcast. And uh, I'm back for another episode. Here I am. And can you guys believe it or not? I've actually made show notes for two shows now. Not just one show, but two. Like, what is going on? Um, but I'm back. I'm here. I got another episode for you guys. Uh, on tonight's episode, we are going to have Eric Reichert on. Uh, we'll talk about the Von Nats recap, how they had to change tracks, um, all that wonderful stuff that goes on from the Von Nats. And, uh, you know, talk a little bit about what I've been doing the last, uh, what, three weeks since we've had an episode or so. Um, what I've been doing with, uh, with RC. Um, and it's been pretty good for those of you that do follow me on Facebook or friends with me on Facebook. Uh, you know, I've gone out and I have ran the, um, my spec car again, um, twice actually, uh, once with a prep track, uh, which was just sugar water sprayed down. And then, um, once on no prep, biggest changes, uh, we'll get into that. Uh, geez. Yeah. Where to, where to begin is really the question. So long story short, you know, obviously since I got into this whole, uh, drag racing thing, I've, I've relied heavily on guys like Tim Smith, um, Todd Saltero, Bob Warham, Tyler Zavida, all these guys from California that do it regularly. I've relied heavily on them for tips, tricks, um, you know what I mean? Little things here and there that I can try and do or do that make the car better. Uh, one of the big things I skipped, though, because I wanted to run the car so bad when I first got it all together was putting a wing on my body. Um, after further discussion with Tim, he said, dude, you need to put a wing on that damn body. Uh, so that was one of the big things that I did. I put a wing on it. Um, and I really think that was the biggest, biggest change I made. Uh, I got a new set. I ordered a couple more sets of drag skins from Rick Seffrude from Gone Banana Racing Skins for the car. I uh, had them true them up uh, as if he was going to put them on his own car for me because I don't have a tire truer. Uh, I put those on, and when I went out and ran, a, uh, I went and ran on the prep track. I was running the 12 millimeter hex conversion, so I was running the Traxxas Fortech uh, rims, so the little bit skinnier ones. Um, and I'll tell you this: the first run I did, I ran the car at low. Uh, I think it was like 45 or 50 percent uh, EPA. And it went straight. I'm like, okay, this is pretty good. You know, it, it was pulling the one way, so I adjusted the trim. I brought it back. I turned it up. <clears throat> I think I turned it up to like 65 uh, or so. Ran another one. It ran great. Uh, from there, I want to say I went up to 85 um, and ran another one. And I think it went perfectly fine. So I come back and I turned it up to 95. And that run was when it actually crossed the center line uh, which I was running a piece of like uh, string as the center line and um, I managed to catch it with the car it wound up in the axle which effectively locked up the rear end so I couldn't brake or anything like that car skidded and hit uh, hit on the side into the the pole it was all on the live feed. If you want to check it out, it's on the MBM Podcast Everything RC page. Thanks to my buddy Mike. He come out and recorded uh, and went live. Uh, so we went. We retrieved the car. We came back to his truck. Fortunately, because I was in such a rush to leave the house, I didn't bring my Allen keys with me uh, as it uses a bigger um, bigger one than I have in wrenches for to take the, the wheels off. Fortunately, Mike had one. We were able to take the wheel off. I was able to get the, the string all undone. Checked the car out. Everything looked uh, good with the car. So I went and we decided at that point to um, 
turn it up to 100. And we recorded it. And I've put that video on Facebook on my personal one. And I was pretty uh, happy. Now, my reaction time has always been really crappy with the Traxxas timing system because I'm so afraid of red lighting. I don't want to waste a good run. Um, so I ended up with a reaction time of uh, 0.224, which is about average for me with the lights if I wait till I see green. Um, in total, I ran an ET of a 1.960, which is the fastest I've ever had that car go. Uh, and the mile per hour on it ended up being 74.938. So basically almost 75 miles an hour. Now, I was running a Rotoron tuned 13.5 drag motor. I was running a Tekin RS Gen 2, 2-cell, 4250 Max Amp Shorty, uh, and that's it, my Futaba radio. Nothing fancy, uh, nothing crazy. Um, I had obviously a lot of help getting the settings in the ESC setup for what would work best. Uh, so thank you very much to Tim, obviously, for pointing me in the direction of how to do that, because I would have never knew where to start. So I would have spent probably the rest of this year with a little bit limited time trying to figure that out. So he gave me a head start, and I, I so greatly appreciate that. But what I learned, again, very, very important when no prepping, is how important that wing is. Um, all my problems went away once I put the wing on. Uh, if anybody's wondering how I built my wing... Um, we have like hobby stores. They're not like hobby stores, like we're thinking hobby stores, but you know, like for paints and crafts and stuff like that called Michael's in Canada. I'm not sure if they're in the U S or not. And anyway, my wife and I went there back when I first got the car, we went there and I grabbed one of these fairly thin. I think it's about four millimeter thick. <laughs> I say thin four millimeter thick or so. Actually it's not that thick. I'd have to measure it again. But anyway, um, I grabbed like this, basically it's like a paint, um, platter, or whatever they call them. Uh, that you put paint on that, you know, they have the thumb hole in it so you can hold it and put your paint and paint on stuff. I got one of those, of just white plastic. And I figured I could cut that. Uh, it would be thin enough and pliable enough. Well, the first time I built, tried to build the wing, I found out that it is not pliable enough. I actually had to use heat to bend it. Um, so I definitely wouldn't suggest using it, but it, it, like Tim said, at one time Todd ran a, um, cardboard wing on his car and it worked. So as long as I had something. So I committed to it. I built it. I wish I would have done it sooner because I think a lot of my problems I was having was due to having no wing, especially when I figured out how to get the car to go straight, but it kept unloading uh, on the big end because I didn't have any of that issue. I haven't had any of those problems since I put the wing on. So that's a huge thing. If you're like me and you want to rush and get into this, that's great. Make sure you prep the body right as far as getting a wing on it. Um, so that way you don't have those inherent issues that I was having. That's the big one. Um, let me see here. I got to refer to my uh, my notes. So, yes, I went out again and did no prep uh, because that's going to be the ideal racing situation. Uh, I hope next year I get more opportunities to spray sugar water and run more uh, good hits on like a lightly prep tra track because uh, I know it's a lightly prep track. Funny enough, when I ran that and I put it up on on. Facebook, I got uh, a message from a racer out of Texas. Uh, Jerry Shields was checking in on me. Uh, you know, he had some questions as to who, what, where, when, and how. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he desires a, a lightly prep track like I was running on uh, to see how fast he could really get his cars to go. So I guess that's some kind of an advantage. Um, I'm hoping to one day get down to that area of Texas and race with those guys. But who knows? Uh, California is really the big one. Uh, on my list, like I said, I was, we were talking on the last show. Uh, I want to get to California.
badly, like super, super badly. But, uh, yeah, going back to the no prep. So this Saturday, uh, myself and a friend of mine, Ed, we met up at the high school. Um, Ed got there about 25 minutes or so before me because of course I'm late to everything. And he started sweeping, getting the, the area cleared out. Um, that's definitely one thing that I wasn't doing before as well was sweeping. Uh, I see how important that is too, even with no prep, if you're not spraying, it's just good to have all the loose rocks off. Um, Mike ended up coming to visit me briefly, uh, cause I had some stuff for him to grab for me and he was nice enough to bring me his electric uh, leaf blower. So I was able to, you know, blow off all the fine sand that we hadn't got with the sweeping. Um, and at that point, Ed and I decided we were going to run no prep and then spray and then run again. Uh, but we decided at that point we had about an hour and a half of time to run. Let's just run as much as we possibly can right now. Uh, he had some other commitments he had to deal with on Saturday and it was really hot, like abnormally hot up here, which is why we went out. Um, the track temperature was at like a hundred degrees Fahrenheit, which for this time of the month in September was amazing. Uh, we normally don't see that. It's normally pretty chilly, like, you know, talking about 15 degrees Celsius, uh, around this time of the year. So you have to do the conversion. I know I'm throwing Fahrenheit and Celsius at you, but I could probably look it up. Maybe I will, maybe I won't. But, um, so we got everything set up. We set up the, the track and everything like that. Poor Ed. He's had some issues with his radio system. Um, and his uh, RJ speed car took off on him again, unfortunately, and crashed again. I don't know what kind of carnage came from it. He abruptly put it away. Um, so I'm hoping it wasn't too, too bad. But good news is he's got the whole off season to get it up and running and uh, back into uh, good form. We uh, He's going to take care of his radio issues too. Um, but we'll talk a little bit more about that soon. But uh, yeah, so... I changed a few things on the car knowing that I was going to do no prep um, and I probably would not be able to put that kind of power down uh, without the, the sugar water. I am thoroughly convinced that it made a difference. Now, what I did is I switched over from the 12 millimeter conversion over to, I believe, the uh, 10 scale hubs that actually come with the RAE spec car um, because I had sent a set of rims to Rick to have wrapped in the drag skins foam. So I was kind of anxious to try out the wider foam on no prep. few conversations with a couple of the guys, it would probably be better to have more in that scenario. Um, so I put them on. I went out. Uh, like I said, we got everything set up. I gooped them. I did a kind of a combination of, of the two goops. Kind of like uh, if you watch RC Drag Talk, uh, Tim and Tyler kind of go over their tire prep. Um, so I kind of did like a modified version of how Tim did Uh because they used light and then basically the same idea, except I did my squiggles with the line of medium through it and then rolled it. And that's what I was using for, for my prep on no prep. Uh, we set everything up. We ran a, bu- a bunch of runs. Uh, of course, you know, I was doing the same thing uh, as I did with the prep track You know, I knew I didn't have to turn the radio down as far. So, you know, I went down to 65% made sure the car was tracking straight. Because uh, after the last run that I had ran it on the prep track, it had a tumble situation, and it was kind of driving a little off. So I uh, wanted to make sure it was still tracking straight. Sure enough, whatever the tumble issue was, taking the body off, going through the car, solved all the problems. I'm assuming probably it was something. I don't know. Couldn't tell you. So anyway, I, I changed a few things for that uh, for the no prep with the to the wider wheels putting a different pinion on it. I went up one from what I was at uh, to try and take a little bit of uh, oomph out of it. Uh, and I tweaked the ESC settings a little bit to soften it uh, on the big end because I was kind of concerned again with it breaking loose. 
Unfortunately, if I would have had more time to do more runs, I probably would have looked at uh, trying to turn it up again and uh, go from there, but I didn't. Long story short, we did a bunch of runs. Um, there is video that I recorded with my GoPro that I'm going to cut up, edit up, and put up. There was one minor incident where my car went left and ran into uh, Ed's. Uh, he had a four-wheel drive Vitera with a, like a Chevy truck body on it. Pretty cool uh, truck, to be honest with you. I liked it. Uh, but yeah, one little incident. But the fastest run I managed to get into my car on no prep uh, was about a 60-mile-an-hour run and just over 2.4 seconds. Uh, and the reaction time for me was around the same because, like I said, I have that same reaction time situation because I don't want a red light and waste a good run. I'm trying to get numbers, figure it out. But uh, I feel the car was fast, um, quite fast. So that's where we ended up with. That's what I've been doing over the last, like, three weeks since the last show. And believe it or not, we're here before a whole month has went by for a new show. So win. We're not waiting a month and a half, guys. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so... Uh, Ed's situation with the radio is going to be solved. He's going to take over my Futaba radio, uh, and I've ordered myself a new Gropner uh, X8E, so I'm super looking forward to getting that. Um, cannot wait to get that set up in all my new cars and start using it. And out of all of this, the one thing that I need to suggest to everybody, if you get into this car and you build it and you're going to run it, um, what I would suggest is getting a good set of tools we're going to call it the tech tip of the month and uh yeah the month because that way i'm not obligated to do more than one show a month just kidding um (laughs) so yeah uh tech tip of the month is get a good set of tools and don't be cheap that is so so important don't be cheap with them Uh, i suggest mip tools Uh, i have a set i need to complete the set i need a couple of the more of the sae um, uh, drivers, and I'm going to order a couple of the uh, nut wrenches, like the little package of them that they sell, because uh, those are going to be must-haves. But uh, yeah, MIP all the way. I have had zero issues. The RAE car has all 16th scale, uh, like six, uh, 1 16th uh, hardware pretty much on it, um, and 5 64th. So having the MIP 1 16th, I've had zero issues with it. I've had it for well over a year now. My 443 was all had a lot of 16th hardware on it, um, so you can't go wrong. If you need to buy only one, buy only one, but make sure you buy an MIP. You uh, you won't waste your money at all with that. So, but that's what I've been up to, and it's been it's been pretty cool. Uh, indoor season is getting ready to start for me, so I'm super excited. I need to build my YZ2. I still have yet to do it. I know on the last episode I said I was probably going to do it on Sunday. That part didn't come till last week. I just haven't had time to sit down and do it. Today I was live streaming for a little bit um, while I was actually cleaning up the RAE car for the last time. I took everything out of it. Uh, it's currently sitting on the workbench. It's going to be put away tomorrow. The workbench will be finished being cleaned tomorrow, and we're going to get the... Um, the the build started because I got the DTM to build and I'm going to have an EB410 to build too. So I'm going to be building two cars um, and racing in the matter of a month here. So it's going to be interesting to say the least. Uh, There'll be two completely new cars for me to learn. Uh, The only thing that'll be from last year is going to be my T5M, uh, which I got to finish doing it. I still uh, have to finish installing the laydown B6 laydown transmission in it, get it loaded uh, and ready to go. So yeah, I got a little bit of stuff to do, and I've waited all summer to do it. So it's going to be a jam-packed couple of weeks. 
as I do that. So stay tuned to my Facebook and MEM Podcast Facebook uh, for updates on that. And then <clears throat> we cannot forget to mention we are literally three days away from the drawing of the SAX 10-2 giveaway. Um, I'm super stoked to be giving this away to somebody. Uh, just to remind a few of you guys that don't know, it is jam-packed. It's got Tekken motor and ESC. It's got a RC4WD winch and wireless winch controller. It's got a uh, light set from Axial uh, that I'm not installing. I'm going to put the light controller installed in the little box that I'm building to put the winch controller and the ESC and everything in. Um, but um, it will not have the lights actually installed. That'll be up to the winner. The body is going out to get painted. So once the body comes back from paint, which should probably be, I'd figure, about two weeks or so, that's when we'll finally ship the the prize to the winner. Uh, but we're picking the winner on Saturday at uh, 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific time. If you aren't in those two time zones and you want to tune in live to it, it'll be live on my Facebook, and it'll be live on the MBM Podcast Everything RC Facebook. I'm going to stream f- from both for you guys. And... Um, but yeah, I can't wait to give it away. It, it's it's jam packed. MKS servo in it. Um, you know, CalRC is going to send a care package to the winner. There's Viking Design Works uh, diff station is going to be included with it. Uh, Max Amps are providing a battery to the winner. They're going to ship directly to them. To them. Um, it's just it's awesome. It's awesome. And thanks to every all the companies that supported it and uh, gave to it to give it away. That's just so stellar. Um, but yeah, so like I said, tonight we're going to have Eric Record on. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a break. I'm going to get Eric on and we're going to come back. We're going to talk Von Nats and everything that's been going on for him. Um, and just general RC stuff. So thanks for uh, tuning in and, uh, we'll be right back after this commercial. Gone Banana Racing Skins, foam tires for any application from custom builds, 10th scale, 8th scale, X-Max, drag racing, you name it, Rick will wrap it. If you have something in mind, reach out to him on Facebook at Gone Banana Racing Skins and have a chat with him about your project that you have in mind. Rick is a great guy with a great business and he's willing to help you get the foam tires that you need in order to make your race program the best that it can be. That's why at Gone Banana Racing Skins, they strive to give the best to their customers that they can. Gone Banana Racing Skins, doing custom foam tires that others just won't do. From a short little break. See, there's one issue that I have with the fact that I come back with different music instead of the same theme like I used to way back when. See, I wear the, you know, Beats by Dre. I have those fancy kind of headphones because my wife's awesome like that and bought me a nice set. I get stuck listening to the music. Sometimes it's like, hey, I got to remember, I'm, I'm about to record a podcast. Nobody wants to sit here and listen to four minutes of a song before they hear me talk again. <laughs> Then somehow I figure copyright infringement might happen too at the same time. I don't know. Who knows? We're back, and I have the one and only Eric. It's Reichardt, right? It is. <sighs> and as, as we start every show together, 
How's it going, A? Yeah, hockey hoser, you know. <laughs> so we're fine. <laughs> not much. We're like you were saying there before we started. We're finally doing this. There's been a reschedule finally. and another reschedule, and then I'm pretty sure Sunday I was sick because I got too much sun on Saturday. Just just so everybody has a, t- a frame of reference of how long this has been, we were supposed to do this the day after the race. Yeah, which was like how long ago? Weeks ago. Yeah, it's it's been a long. It was almost two weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah, at least. <laughs> yep. Yeah, actually, yeah, because it was supposed to be basically a week after I did the last episode. So yeah, yeah. two weeks ago. Yep, yeah, I was about right. Yeah. But hey, we're here. We're going to do it, and it's going to be great, and everybody's going to like it. I'm sure of it. It's, it's exciting. It's very exciting. If not, well, that's too bad for them. They're going to still listen to it, I'm sure of it, because they want to see right. what we're going to say. And I, I swear there was no reason as to why I picked that song. I kid you not. I wanted to play something by Shinedown, and I had forgot to pick it before I said we're going to go back to it. And I just clicked on the first one that was there. I so. thought it was like a snake charmer song. I thought, I thought you were like referring to the fact that I'm a snake. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of more referring to the, the, the wonderful situation you guys are faced with right now in the wonderful United States with your NFL players. Is that the only situation? Well, that's one of them. But <laughs> that's or is that the situation? I I don't know. I think my opinion on it is this: you're getting paid a lot of money to play a sport and entertain people. Stop making it political. Just go to work, do your job, stand there like a proper person. Would any person would honor the national anthem of your country, the flag of your country? You know, the same one that lots of people went to war to give you the freedom to do the crap that you're doing, and just just. You know, behave. If you want to be political, do it outside of your job. Because to me, that's their job, right? You know what I mean? Yeah, that, I hear you. That's my yeah, two cents I, on I, it. There, there may be my, way more to it, but... Is, my two cents is that everybody, and I mean everybody, is making too much out of something that is nothing. <laughs> you know? Everybody wants to jump on one side or the other and, and argue all day long about it. And it's just... None of this is changing anything. You no. know, I think we talked about this. I mean, let's 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 start here. I mean, we talked this time last year. Who saw that coming? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm sure some Oof. people uh, saw it coming more than others, but <laughs> I know. But you know, I mean, let's be honest here. Even even those who who got what they wanted, I got to believe on some level are pretty surprised. We are where we are right now. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I think so. I, <laughs> Yeah, that's no. yeah. that one. Every time somebody brings up the the subject of of that particular, it's like Mm-mm, I'm not touching that one because yeah. nope. I, I ain't got nothing to talk about about the guy running my country here. So mm, no, we'll just you know we share. You don't want to get deemed. You don't want to get get deemed fake RC news. You yeah, know. Yeah, there you go. Oh God. <laughs> On the, oh, I got fake RC news for you. JQ is the most popular driver. He is the most popular driver in I, my world. I'll honestly, I think I I had a perception of him prior to him doing all these live videos that he's been doing as he's been building his car. Yeah. And my perception of him has changed greatly. Why? Well, because, see, I thought he just was a... a, a um, he would just kind of go on his own little high horse and act like this big big shot person that, you know what I mean? But the reality is, is this, when he sees BS, he calls BS and he doesn't care who it involves. He nope. doesn't, he doesn't care if you're the main, 
leader of X, Y, or he just, he lets it rip. Yep. And he's just, he's who he is up front. He doesn't change. And that's, I think I have a different appreciation for who he is because he doesn't change. I'm not saying that yep. me and him are going to be best friends or anything like that, but I have a much different opinion on, of how yep. I felt about him. I'll say this of Joseph is similar to what you said that the thing with him is whether you like him or not, whether you agree with him or not, whether you are on the face, whether you are behind him or you're staring down the barrel of the gun, he's pointing at you. He is always going to say exactly whatever he wants to say and whether he's right or wrong, doesn't even matter. It's just, that's his opinion and that's what he's going to say. And that's what he's going to stand behind. And I have respect for that. Have you heard his hit the new thing that JQ's doing? Like the company? What's that? So if you have a group of friends, and I thought this was kind of cool, and I'd I'd love to see other manufacturers kind of grab this one and try and do it too. If you have got a group of, a group of friends and you guys all run eight scale, and you're all interested in kind of being a team together, you get a hold of JQ. As long as you meet some of their prerequisites to be there, like they'll get you set up. They'll send you pop ups, clothing, hats, you know, all that kind of stuff. Cars, so you're all running the same cars. Support yep. for the setup of the cars via their what I guess they have a WhatsApp chat, what WhatsApp chat that they use to communicate uh, with like between team members and stuff like that. You'll get access via via that with them and uh, a contingency um, payment kind of schedule for certain races. If you go to certain races, depending on where you fall, you might be able to make money. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and there's really no big prerequisite. You don't have to be this amazing driver if you got you and like two of your buddies that want to all run JQ cars, you can qualify for it. That's pretty cool. It's very creative. Yeah, right. I, I get like, don't get me wrong. You know, a few people who was I talking, somebody had said something about, Oh, look what he's doing now. Yet. He just said something. I can't remember. I wish I would have remembered more of it, but apparently he just went after somewhere for doing something similar or something like that. I don't friggin' know. Anyway, I better not talk out of context. It, and this is just like the, the, the kneeling for the anthem, national anthem thing or whatever. The other day, who cares? Let, whoever wants to do whatever they want to do, knock yourselves out. Mm. You know? <clears throat> if you want to give away cars and you want to... I think it's kind of a cool idea. It's just it's a matter of how you look at it. You know, if, if you want to look at it that, you know, he's giving away all this stuff and it's not really making any sense, it's not the way people do things, well, that's fine. But at the same time, like, the, other, the flip side of it is, isn't the real spirit of RC that it's a group of friends and you do it together. And, you know, if, if it's something where, you know, essentially a factory team will support a group of friends together to enjoy themselves and enjoy RC together. Well, that's pretty cool. And it's not really about, you know, the racing team and all this like, you know, profile, high profile and all this kind of stuff. It's, it's more about the, you know, at least I think the spirit of RC that, you know, you're doing it together for fun, you know, and you spend time together as a group. Well, and and that's to me, that's kind of what, it sounded like it was more focused on was it wasn't you needed to go to races in order to, it was just, yeah. if you have a group of friends, you all want to run the same car, you know, which to me, I, I love the idea of it. Like when, when Mike and I were racing together a lot, you know, well, even Mike, Mike, myself and, and Jim even were racing together a lot. You know, when Mike and I were running associated vehicles, it was super easy for us to talk because we were running the same platform. So, you know, if my car was doing this, his car was doing that, we'd look at what he did to his and what I did to mine and try and find a a happy medium to where we both could find something that works for both of us in a driving style, right? But Jim was on the outside of that because he was a TLR guy, which there's nothing wrong with being a TLR guy. 
Um, but then when Mike made the switch to TLR, it's no longer ask Matt for advice because I looked at it. I've never driven a TLR <laughs> car before, dude. I, don't, I would assume all the same crap we do with the Associated works on the TLRs. I don't know, man. Like, you want to let yeah. me drive yours for a couple dozen packs and possibly break it a couple times? Like, I can give you my feedback, but <laughs> you know, I don't know right. who's going to be very fond of that idea. Right. You know, at the end of the day, we are not, and I hate to, uh, sorry, sponsored drivers every, around the world, you know, in your Sunday race reports, but at the end of the day, we are just a common interest group. That's all we are. You know, you have people that like cars, they want to race, and they want to play with these little things, and they want to do something together. And that's all that really matters, you know. Nobody here is actually truly sponsored and working for companies, you know, and that's what <clears throat> I think a lot of the RC sponsorship where the point is missed is that, you know, you aren't actually working for TLR or Team Associated or anybody. Mm-hmm. You're just, you know, you're there to sort of enjoy their stuff and show people that you're enjoying their stuff so that they enjoy your, that same company stuff with you. Yeah. And that's all that is. It's, it's a common interest. It's not a job. It's not a sponsorship. You don't, you know, this whole talk of contracts and all this other stuff to me is ridiculous. And that's why, you know, sometimes I'm maybe a little bit of a jerk about it, but I kind of make fun of it. It, you know, it it all does is artificially inflate egos. You know. Well, and and here's the funny part. You say that I have sponsors, but I have oh not a single contract with a single place. No, as you shouldn't. Not nothing. You know? Everything is basically through through chat slash email. There's no official papers being sent to me that I got to print, sign, and send back to them. None of that. And and yeah. I love that aspect of it because if things don't go the way I'm liking them. There's no recourse for me. I can just say, okay, thank you. You know what? It's been a good ride, but I'm going this way. You're going that way, and see you later. You're sharing a common interest with me. Yeah, absolutely. And that's kind of what everything, like most of the conversations with me and these places that support me have been. It's just like we we have the same feeling. And and the reality is I don't race a lot. So what I can do is only as brand ambassador – slash goodwill ambassador to the hobby, right? To support the hobby, to want the hobby to grow and, and do whatever I can to try from that side of things to to make people, um, you know what I mean, try this product or that product. So, and that's, it's kind of crazy because, you know, if we, even last year when we, we talked, I never thought I'd be doing some of the stuff that I'm doing right now. I would, I never would have thought I was giving away like a $1,600 SCX-10 2 at the end of this week. Like, that I paid nothing for, like I didn't have to put money out for. Well, sorry, I shouldn't yep. say that. I put out $8 for one of those little sticker, like raffle things. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yep. it's just wild. And and when I see things like that happening, I think, okay, there's way more to this hobby than than the off-road racing or the on-road racing or any of that stuff. You know what I mean? It's just, yeah. and that's the side of it that I'm embracing more is the community, the people you get to know, the friendships that you make because mm-hmm. of it. I love it. Yep. The re, you know the, the reality that I had to embrace a long time ago, you know, working at the magazines, is that the old way of doing RC as a business don't, doesn't work anymore. You know, people aren't reading magazines the way they used to. That wasn't that's not where they get their news or entertainment for you know, lack of a better word, from for RC. You know, and none of the rules apply anymore. You know, none of the old rules. So. You know, somebody like JQ doing something different is great to me. I think it's, you know, it, it may not be the right answer, but the <laughs> fact that it's different and it's it's not the same old thing that we've been doing since the 80s, I appreciate it for that. There's a lot of people doing, you know, you guys and, 
you know, there's some video guys and, and all sorts of different media now, and there's all sorts of different ways of running teams. And there's all sorts of different ways of making products. And the, the entire hobby is turned upside down and not in a bad way. It's, it's just a new way, you know? Yeah. yeah. Ho- hopefully in a way that actually it, it grows. And that's the big thing. Like, to to guys like you and I, we see RC every day, right? Because we're interested in it, and like you've been employed via RC, like for magazines, like you were saying. So for you, it's a little different. But for me, like I see RC every day. Where you know the guy that I could be standing beh- beside in the mall has no clue, but it keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's just, it's. I'm hopeful one day it's going to be so big that most everybody knows what it is. It's not so much of a. Oh, where are you going this weekend? Well, I'm going down to so and so to race RC cars, and they kind of look at you like, "What?" Like, <laughs> you know, it's funny. At the same time, though, if you ask any any RC product maker, I wouldn't even say car manufacturer, any RC product maker, if they think RC is getting bigger or smaller, they'll all tell you it's getting smaller. <sighs> yeah, I mean, I know that side of the argument. I've seen that. You know, it's the the thing is the the rules have changed you know and the way we used to do things the way we used to measure things doesn't apply anymore and you know we used to get media news through magazines and now we don't and we used to get products through hobby shops and we stopped doing that about 15 years ago and you know then we started buying you know from online places and now that's kind of downturn and now we're buying direct from manufacturers themselves or they've opened up their own retail outlet you know yep yep and what's happening with that too is you know the the meter of how many people are doing this was always sales at the end of the day how many sets of tires how many cars how many everything were being sold and the problem now is that most people at least a lot of people are making their own stuff yeah so how do you how do you measure (laughs) by the old standards how do you measure a hobby that's becoming a hobby again yeah absolutely so you know? I gotta ask you because you you see you you've done advertising and everything like that, so you might have a little more insight to this situation. How would you feel, or how how would you perceive when a manufacturer of a particular product says to somebody that's using their product that they're actually taking business away, like their numbers have went down? Do you think that like is legitimate? That what do you that, mean? Hmm. I'm trying to say it, figure out how to say it without giving it away. That's the problem. <laughs> That's so vague that I didn't even get it. Yeah. Okay. So basically, <laughs> the long story short is sales have went down for company A because okay. uh, we'll call it side job A buys product from company A on an OEM situation, right? You, you kind of okay. get, get where I'm going with that. Yeah. Yeah, the 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 side job A does something to the product that, in my opinion, improves the product, and so okay. he's selling them. But the company said to him that they may not be dealing with him in the future because they feel like they're losing business to him. Does that make sense? Yeah. So the guy takes a product and improves it. Yeah. So the people who are originally manufacturing it are getting mad that they're not selling as many directly to customers as they used to yeah, because not, they're losing those sales to the guy who's taking their product and improving it. Yeah. So aren't they still selling the product indirectly to the same customer? Well, and that's kind of... If, if well, they used to buy, <laughs> let's say if they used to buy, we'll say motors, since we're going to be hypothetical. Okay. If, if company A used to sell 100 motors... 
And of those 100 motors, side job A used to buy 25 of them. Right. Well, now side job, side job A is selling 80 of them, and company A is only selling 20 of them. They're still selling the same 100 motors. Right. And that's kind of what I was thinking about it. I yeah. just... Yeah. yeah, I didn't want to go too far into detail because, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm I mean, there's, because there's, you, there's, you're, you're there's from... to be said, the, the problem isn't so much side job A and company A. It's side it's company A and side job A and then, you know, company company B being competition and, you know, side job B being competition also. And I think that's the bigger problem in the RC industry right now is that there's not, you know, where there used to be company A and company B and company C, and side job A and side job B. Now there's company A through Z and one through fourteen, and there's side job one through eight eight million four hundred thirty two. You know, and the entire thing is so oversaturated with people making things that there's not enough to go around. You know. Yeah. And th- this kind of happened. The first time I noticed it was in two thousand five when I was working at RC Driver. You know, when I started there, there was you know, just to, uh, just throw a number out there, seven companies making cars, mm-hmm. you know, in 2002, 2003. And by the time I left there in 2006, 2007, there was about 16 car companies, you know. And those aren't accurate numbers, but my point is that there was a lot more people making cars than there were just three years before. And then what made that even worse is that you had – you know, where you used to have five or six guys making stuff in their garage and selling it, you know, out of their <laughs> out of their basement. Yeah. You had everybody and their mother doing it. Yeah. You know, because everybody figured out that these, you know, somebody went, hey, you know, these guys aren't really making this stuff. They're buying this stuff from China. Or, hey, mm-hmm. they're not making those motors, you know, better motors. They're buying them from that motor company and then just tuning them a little bit. And I could do the same thing, mm-hmm. you know. And before you know it, everybody and their mother is an RC company, you know, <laughs> and you end up with more competition than you do consumers, you know, and that was the problem. And then, you know, it didn't help that the economy collapsed, but beyond that, the whole thing has to correct itself at some point. And that's exactly what happened is yeah. that all of a sudden nobody bought anything, you know, and technology changed and everything shifted and a lot of people went out and that was good. That was the correction that this hobby needed. It's the correction that, I think the economy needed, but at the same time, as soon as it came back and people kind of leveled off again, the same thing happened again, you know, and we're used to have two tire, two companies making tires or, you know, rest in peace, Panther tires, but three companies making tires. <laughs> Look at right now. How many companies can you name off the top of your head that make tires? Three. As, aside from Proline J Concepts and, well, well, we'll leave Panther out of it now, but there's AKA, there's, you know, there's a hundred knockoff companies. There's Chinese companies. There's, you know, original manufacturers are making their own tires, Duratrax, yeah. everybody, everybody under the sun is making tires, you know, and there's not an ink that dress. There's, you know, if there's a, you know, triple in the amount of people making tires, there's not a triple in the amount of people using tires. Right. Absolutely. So you're, taking, you're taking the same pool of people by tire buyers and you're dividing them by three now. I, I so honestly wish tire pricing would come down and I get that it's almost a fixed price because, but yeah. I, w- I wish they were more affordable because to me, that's one of the biggest deterrents for, for a newcomer to racing. Yeah. Like the unfortunate part of it is as long as there's this many companies, they can't, 
you know, when you when you have to take your tire sales and now divide it into three and take a third for yourself, in order to stay alive, you need to charge three times as much. You know, you have to make, there's an operating cost to everything, right? So if your operating cost is this much to make these tires and you're only selling a third of them, that's a big problem. You know, you either have to make a third less tires and take a third less, you know, two thirds less tires and two thirds less income, or you have to rate charge more money or it's just more expensive because you can't make as many as you should be, you know? Yeah, I hear you. You know, you're not going to make three times as many tires if you're only going to sell a third of them. You're going to you're going to make that third, and now you have to pay more per per tire well, to make them. Here, here's my beef. Okay, and it's coming up in Las Vegas. The uh, what is it? The IIC or whatever it is, mm-hmm. International Indoor Carpet, whatever. They're doing like a basically a handout tire, spec tire, whatever, like through J Concepts, and I understand the concept of it to make sure everybody is on the same tire to quote-unquote equalize it. However, my issue is with this. I know how rubber tires wear on Ozai carpet. They wear horribly on carpet. You burn through them mm-hmm. ridiculous rates of time. I don't mm-hmm. see why they don't look at a different option for tires for these guys. I guarantee you I could go to that race with one set of tires per car and never go through them that entire week that I'm there. Are you... How do I ask this question with not without insulting you? I'll just insult you. Okay, go for it. With my apologies. Okay. Um, are you racing on the same level as factory team guys? No, but I guarantee I could give them one set, and they're still not going to burn through them that week. Are you racing for as much money on the line as those factory team guys? No, not at all. So do you understand why they're using more tires? Yeah, I hear it. I hear it. But I think there so, could be especially better on road is, or more yeah. options. I think they could, I think they should look into because this is what kills me is you see these guys using the the staggers and the mini pins on Ozai carpet and it's like no guys like Ozai carpet is from on road like they used hard yeah. rubber tires on it or foam. Yep. It, it, just because you're putting jumps on it really doesn't change a whole lot. You can still use foam tires, and I say yep. that because I I know how much use I get out of them, right? You know, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, and I know guys that race way more than I do, and they don't burn through set after set after set after set. You know what I mean? I know guys right. down in Iowa that race every week, and they get months out of their tires. Now, again, they're not yeah. racing at the level of these guys are in that week that they're right. there, but I still say maybe two sets, maybe three, because these guys will have the ability to true their tires while they're there. The thing I remember, you know, and I learned a long time ago racing oval, is that when you race on something where traction is at the absolute maximum, every other little thing is extra critical. You know, every little part of your suspension, how perfect your shocks are, how polished your hinge pins are, how tight, you know, how slop-free your car is, Mm -hmm. everything else makes a difference. And when you have that much traction and everybody's pushed their cars to that limit you're winning races by a tenth of a second. And not a tenth of a second a lap, a tenth of a second period. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what ends up happening is that, well, yeah, if you run a set of tires on an off-road buggy on carpet, it will not drop, you know, it's not going to drop off to the point the car spins out. It's not going to drop off to an extent where you're going to like, wow, this is disastrous. But after, you know, a run or two, it will absolutely drop that tenth. Yep. And when you're when you're winning races by such narrow margins... What's happening to off-road on carpet and, and, and even turf is that we're now entering the world. We are truly entering the worlds of on-road racing. And that these guys have it, – it, it, talk to an on-road guy or an oval guy about, about how 
you know, tires don't last very long and things like that, and you, you should be getting more <laughs> runs out of your tires, and they'll laugh at you. Because they've been dealing with this for years where you change your tires every single race. You put brand new tires on it every single race because you are not going to give up that tenth or that tiny little bit. The insignificant amount may not feel like much, but it means everything. Yep. You know? That, that and level. that's what's happening with off-road racing now. Well, and, and like I said, I get it. It's just... It, it takes the prospect of, of a race like that for somebody... I shouldn't say it takes it out of the equation for me because... If I want to go to a race like that, I'm going to do whatever it takes and spend whatever it requires to go to a race and participate in it. But it's just, it's one of those things where I just, I see like this, there's a room for improvement that would make the racing, in my opinion, closer. Um, yeah. You know, and you've, you've, you know where I race, you know, the guys I race with in, and I'm telling you. Watching these guys, especially guys from Wisconsin that race out of the Madison area, radio, car, whatever, I can't remember it. Radio Control Car Association, that's it, Marka. Those guys are crazy because they they race on a weekly basis down there. They're all running the Gone Banana Racing Skins foams. And when you see these guys go out there in their stadium trucks and you watch how close they are, how fast these cars are moving, and then you get a, a young gun like Call Tollard driving with them and he's like they're just as fast as he is keeping on it it's it's amazing to watch and i know it's like that with the pros and everything like that i just i don't know i got such a hate for for rubber tires on carpet because i I, because i know what happens is they're they're great for three four runs and then they fall off like they're just gone right well they wear out yeah they wear out and they round off you know you know and i was spending way more money than i needed to on rubber tires, and I think that's why I don't like them so much on carpet. I know they're, obviously, I went to RC Tracks Las Vegas before they converted their 10-scale track to, to Astro and ran on the dirt, and I brought, you know, AKA tires with me, and I get it. Like, I know why, obviously, on that kind of surface, you need rubber tires. I don't think you could get away with running foam <laughs> on that kind of surface. Right. I know some guys do in, like, oval racing. They run on clay with the foam tires, which is amazing to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Just, well, it's all how you're treating the tires, you know, and that's, that's sort of what happens. I always kind of wondered, you know, if we're, we're to the point of running on clay, like dirt oval does, why aren't we running tires like dirt oval cars race on, you know, and, and I think it's just a lack of understanding what those guys are doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, for somebody like me that did race dirt oval and can easily gain access to buggy sized foam tires. You know, I could absolutely treat them the same way I treat dirt oval tires and go out there and have as much traction, if not more, than a dirt oval car has. But unfortunately for me, it's against the rules. You know, so that's, I think it's just, it's, I think off-road racing as it is right now is in a very big state of flux. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that it's going to be a few more years at least until we sort of you know, situate ourselves back into one type of surface that we like, one type of one, one way of running the cars that we like, one type of tires, and, and all this kind of stuff. You know, yeah. we're sort of at that point like we were ten years ago when you know we had brushless and brush together and lipo and nickel metal hydride together. <laughs> you know, and some people were running you know lipo and brush motors, and some people were running nickel metal and brushless motors, and they were censored brush motors, and it was sort of all over the place. You yeah. Know? And at some point, we just had to say, okay. It's this now, and it's this now, and that stuff is not here anymore, you know. And it just—I remember—I remember going to Aurora Nationals, where you know half the field was running brush motors, and half of them were running brushless motors. 
you know, and I'm talking about like the A main, like factory team sponsored guys. We're running half of them. You know, it's like Aurora Nationals was that indecisively set up that we were running all these different kinds of motors and battery combinations. And it was like we had no rules at that point, you know? So, you know, and that was also, you know, some of the biggest turmoil I've seen in racing in a long time because everybody's arguing about everything. <laughs> right, right. But now it's not so much about the what's inside the cars, it's what the cars are on top of, you know, that we're in that same kind of flux yep, again. Yep, absolutely. I know, so. I, I hear it all the time. Well, it's not off-road if it's on carpet. Well, listen, once you put jumps in there and the tires don't stay on the carpet the entire time, it's yeah. off-road-ish enough. Yeah, it, it's RC. It yeah. doesn't freaking matter. You know, all this stuff. Again, does not matter. <laughs> you know, we're arguing about silliness. We're, we're arguing so, about toy cars. <laughs> toy cars. Isn't that Listen wild? Us. You know, I, I, my frustration on Facebook these days with everybody being so political and so, you know, everything, everybody's an expert on something. And I look at them like, you know what? I was, I, I feel like before you're allowed to comment on anything, you should have to post up what your grades were in high school. Because if you failed out of history class, you should not be allowed to comment on history or on government and politics. If you failed out of English class, you should not be able to write more. You should not be allowed to write more than 150 words tops. You know, it's just different things. I look at people. I'm like, like I remember people from high school, and they're going off about this, and they're experts on that, and they know all about guns, and they know all about protest, and you know your rights and all this stuff. And I'm like. Dude, you were in the parking lot getting high every day. What are you even talking about right now? You were never in school. <laughs> you know? Like, just go back to whatever job it is. You're, we're all thankful that you've managed to hold down all these years and do that. Like, get to work. <laughs> you're good at something. Stop trying to be good at other things that you're not. Right. Yeah. So listen, we, none of us, none, me included, none of us are experts on politics, on gun law, on anything. Nope. Shush, everybody. Nope. None of it. None of it. <laughs> shit <laughs> so i don't know i think rc's cool I, I think it's getting back you know it turned into a toy business for a while you know and everything was ready to run and everything was sort of this like formulated way of doing things and it got real stagnant and i think it's kind of cool that people are making their own parts now and, and you can selling them to people and to the point they don't have to manufacture anything you go on like shapeways and buy stuff from somebody yeah you know and they don't have to have any tangible products to sell you know they just have to have an idea i think it's cool because it's getting back to being a craft and a hobby you know yeah no i totally totally agree with you on that and i think 3d printing like you're saying shapeways like that that kind of service has changed the face of rc yep. like massively with the stuff you can do with the materials you can print in it's just, that's yeah. just the way it is. I'm not going to lie. If I could afford it, I would absolutely spend the money to have a 3D printed car. Like when they first released, uh, what was it? The B6? When it yeah. was all in the, the PLA and the clear like that? Oh, yeah. in a heartbeat. I mean, that stuff got awful heavy and, and not going to work for as far as a, a car that you'd want to race and push to the limit. But No, it but it looked real cool. pretty on my uh It looked damn shelf. cool. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, would look, it would look real, real pretty. Uh, yeah. Beside my RC10 gold pan that's in a box still. Right. Well, and that's, you know, and that, that offers a whole different question that, you know, I mean, associated, especially like, you know, back in April when they had, when April Fool's, they had that April Fool's joke where they weren't going to make cars anymore. They were just going to put everything on Shapeways and you could order all your parts to build a car <laughs> off of Shapeways. You know, it, but at the same time, it begs the question of like, is that the route we go? You know, why are we making all these cars? If everybody's going to, you know, make their own parts and everybody's, you know, becoming accustomed to ordering stuff you know, 
intellectual property products instead of actual physical parts, why aren't we just producing, drawing a kit, designing it, and then putting it on Shapeways, and you order it as you want to build it? You know, what's wrong with that? Uh, well, I don't see the big manufacturers doing that, but I could definitely see a smaller company yeah. doing that, maybe basing a lot of their stuff. Well, for instance, a company that I could see trying to do something like that would be Orb Racing, which they based their front-wheel drive car off of a Durango Yeah, that no longer is manufactured. Right. So I could see them leaning towards that, offering parts that you need via mm-hmm. something like that. Like, of course, they're going to have to reverse engineer a bunch of stuff and, and stuff like that, and I don't know if that's going to cross over past, but I think if a company's gone... Does it matter at that point? They closed up shop. No, we can continue to make parts. Right. It, it's sort of like, you know, the DeLoreans. When they stopped making DeLoreans and that one company bought all the old inventory. Yeah. You know, and, and most of what you can, but you can still buy parts for DeLoreans. You can still actually build a DeLorean if you really wanted to. You know, and it's sort of the same thing. Like, is that, you know, I mean, who wants to build a Durango? But <laughs> at the same point, <laughs> if you did... <laughs> If you did want to build a Durango or if you still have a Durango that you really like and you don't want to give it up, you can keep ordering parts. Somebody's mm-hmm. going to, you know, and they don't need, the thing is it doesn't cost them anything. They, all it cost them was to draw it. Yeah. You know, they don't have to, they don't have to inventory anything. They don't have to manufacture anything. They don't have to build tools, nothing. Well, and something tells me if they could figure out how to make a front wheel drive car out of a Durango to begin with, they definitely have people on staff that are capable of drawing these parts yeah. Engineers are everywhere, you know. I mean, engineers do all sorts of stuff every day that, you know, is not RC-related at all. I mean, most of my friends that are, you know, in RC are engineers in other industries, you know, military or otherwise. And they're, But on their own, they're drawing, oh, I need a shock tower, and they'll make their own shock tower or something, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, yeah, for and sure. That, and that's, but, but at the same rate, at the point where it's so inexpensive that Joe Schmo can build a car and sell it on Shapeways... You know, that he doesn't have to put out any cost for tooling. He doesn't have to put out any cost for anything, manufacturing or anything else. Why wouldn't the big guys do it? You know, the, their biggest expense is all these tools that they have to make for all these molds and everything. Why yeah. wouldn't they stop yeah. doing that and just put it up on Shapeways? Uh, I, you know, my, my, they don't have to worry about how many to order or anything. Yeah, you know what? I think that, but that's what it is, is to be able to have the mass availability of it right away. Yeah, but what's wrong with Shapeways for that? You know, if you're worried about 250 B6s selling and there's no arms for them, waka, 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 um, <laughs> what would be wrong with it? Well, we made the B6 and we released it on Shapeways, and there's an endless amount of arms because you order, they're made per order. Yeah, I see what you're saying you know? there. I'm, I'm honestly shocked that something like that didn't happen when you were doing the, when that whole part shortage. Man, that was a crap show and a half. Yeah. I'm so glad I'm not a regular it racer. Happens, so, you know, it's it's tough. It's a tough call for them. I mean, a lot of that, it, you know, to pull down the, the the fifth wall, a lot of that happened to them because they changed plastics manufacturers in China. Mm-hmm. So, a lot of the things that they were making, they couldn't make. A lot of things that they were making, you know, on on a certain volume, you know, that was smaller, they weren't allowed to make because these the new company just simply wouldn't make that minimum amount anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, they have to, in order to get a part made, they have to order 10,000 of them. And if they know that they're only going to sell 2,000 of them, it's going to take them five lifetimes to sell all the parts they have to order once, you know? Yeah. So they won't order the parts. You know, they just simply, they can't. And that's where I think that, that something like Shapeways is a very simple solution to that problem where it's like, well, 
we don't have to order 10,000 of them knowing that we're only going to sell 2,000 because we aren't going to make any. We're just going to put them up here, and then people are going to make them per order. You know, it's guaranteed sales. You know, imagine if you could sell 100% of the product that you want to make. Right. You know, that's basically what Shapeways is doing, right? Yep. So yep. it solves your inventory problems. It solves your, you know, your supplier problems. It solves your plastics problems and tooling and all these other things. Everything except for, everything beyond R&D and design is solved by something like Shapeways. Yeah, frig. So. That is so smart, but I don't think it'll ever catch on. You know, it, it, I, I think there was a time where people didn't think that magazines would ever go away. That is true. That was a shock to me. It was kind of upsetting. Times they are changing. I know. <laughs> it's okay. I got my nice big stack of all my RC drivers that I had with a few car actions mixed in there. <laughs> you know, it's funny because Greg that ran RC driver, was still he does still run RC driver. I see him in our local, he lives local to me. Um, right. He and I have known each other since we were little. Um, every now and then I run into him in Costco. You know, and he's, you know, and we'll sit there, you know, you know, we're doing our food shopping during the day in the middle of the week. And it's like, you know, oh, we'll, you know, we get talking and we end up finding, you know, the deck set they have on display and we'll sit there and, and, and we'll sit on the outdoor <laughs> patio set and, and we'll chit chat for a while. And yeah. One of the, one of the conversations, one of the most dark conversations I think we ever got into in, in the middle of Costco was we're obsolete. <laughs> 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 you know, it was. It was, you know, nobody, nobody knows who magazine guys are anymore. You, we don't, what, what we do is no longer a thing. You, you guys <laughs> missed the boat. You should have had somebody there with a camera and you could have, you could have did conversations <laughs> in Costco. Exactly. Yeah. There's a whole, there's a YouTube series for somebody to start. <laughs> Depressing. <laughs> that's funny. But let's no, talk. But I mean, that's really, that's really what it is. I mean, you know, we grew up in an era where these guys were humongous. You know, I, to this day, I look up to Steve Pond, yeah. you know, and, and, and those kind of guys. I write them I've all the time. I've been hearing that you. name a ridiculous Forever. amount of times the last, the last, now, I got to, do you know, I'm going to just come out and ask it. Do you know if he wrote an article or two for Playboy? Is he the same I Steve don't know, Bond? I don't find out. Oh, that'd be kind of awesome. Because I'm pretty he, sure he, so somebody had said something has, to me about it, so I Googled it. He has I, a lot of he has a lot of different background, and and that's what I think a lot of people don't realize is that you know he was already a commercial photographer and working you know doing his own thing when car action kind of came along, and and he just kind of happened into that, and then for a while he actually left to and he moved to California to become a photographer. You know, and it, it, when he was at Car Action in the very beginning, he was writing the articles and taking the pictures. You know, he was doing the whole thing himself. And, you know, so he's got, he wears a lot of different hats. And, you know, even now what he does now is the same thing. He's he's a pretty interesting guy if you really get to know, you know, the different things that he can do and the different things he's accomplished and done in his life. It's pretty it's pretty wild to see the, you know, different stuff. So I don't know if he ever wrote for Playboy, but I, I, I wouldn't put it past him to have, and we, you know, we all end up in some weird walks of life, you know. <laughs> well, well, it so. was interesting because, like, of course, I can't remember. I was talking to somebody on Facebook about it, and they were giving me a couple of people that would be worth having on the show, and he was one of them that they had mentioned. So, and they said you should ask him to, you know, is it true or <laughs> is it not true if he wrote for. So I just Googled it to find out, and there is an article uh, online available that I want to say he interviewed, uh, you know, Trey Parker from South Park. Mm-hmm. You know how he did the movie Orgasmo? Yeah. Yeah, apparently he interviewed him about that movie. Huh. 
So that's pretty cool. If I, you want, I'll ask him right now. Okay, let's find out. <laughs> Let, let's let's answer this question. And I'm gonna well, look. I'm gonna look to see who it was who told me about this. I, I was just talking to him about an hour before we got on the phone here. That's too so funny. Let's see. There's you. We're, we're calling you. You're going to call me shortly if you get a drink of water. Yeah, I had to get a drink of water. I All was, right. I was parched because I was flapping my lips at 100 miles an hour. All right, let's see here. Who was it? Oh, come on. All right, here's what we got. Okay. I said... Podcast podcast question for you. Rumor has it that you wrote articles for Playboy. Truth or fake news? I love it. Let's see what he says. Let's see if he even reads it. <laughs> so anyway, we got okay. very deep in the. It was you know what who it was. It was Aaron Bullock. Yeah, yeah. He he had suggested having Steve Pond on, and as well, uh, I guess uh, Lee Morrison. I'll tell you what, you know, every year with my race, as we transition into that, yes, you know, my struggle is getting, I have always had, since day one, this vision of having, the first year it was supposed to be Jay Halsey. I was supposed to have Jay Halsey come to my race. I was going to, we were going to, I never thought of doing the Q&A thing until like a couple years ago, but I was going to have him come, we'd set up a table, like an autograph signing thing, have him hang out. My ultimate vision was to get like Jay Halsey and Gil Losey and all these guys back together and do like an exhibition class, like a master's class, but with all these old pro racers. And I thought, while you know, the whole mystique of my race was that we were going to get all these old cars on the track, you know, again, after 25 years, we were going to get all these racers on the track after 25 years, too. And that was always what I wanted to do more than, honestly, more than anything, even more than making it 10 years down the road right. with this race. I always wanted to just get those guys. I wanted to see those guys race each other because I never got to see it when I was a kid. And it, and it eventually evolved into the Q&A thing, um, you know, a couple of years into, you know, when I got Brian Kinwall to come one year and I got Jason Rona to come one year. You know, and then it started evolving into more of an event, and you know, we came up with this kind of like inside the actor studio idea, <laughs> and we got Cliff Lett, and you know, Cliff came. It was funny because I've asked Cliff every single year since year one to come to the race, and every single year he's either just completely ignored me, or he's too busy, or it was whatever else. And then it was funny that I got, I finally got him to come that last year, and then now it's like now he now he wants to come every year, and I love it. You know, it, it's so cool to me that he wants to come to this race and and hang out and tell us stories and, and all this stuff. But, you know, it was funny. I forgot who I was talking to this year at the race. But, you know, we're talking about it was really cool with Cliff last night. And, you know, God, he's got so many stories and stuff. I said, you know who's got even more stories than him? Magazine guys. I said, because where Cliff saw the entire RC history through the, you know, through the, the glass eye of Associated, somebody like, you know, Steve Pond watched it through Associated and Losey and Tamiya and Kyosho and everybody else. And, you know, in the RC industry, nobody knows more about what's going on with everybody than the media. You know, we're constantly working with everybody that, you know, and, and trying to come up with products together and getting to see stuff before it comes out. And we know what everybody's doing, you know, and yeah. for that is like, I, I was like, you know, it'd be really cool to get for a guest. And they're like, who? I said, Steve Pond. I said, I would love to have somebody like Steve Pond or even like a panel of the old RC car action guys and just let them share their stories because their stories would destroy anybody from any manufacturer's stories. Huh. 
I want to come to that race so bad, but I want to. Why don't you? Why well, don't you? This is what I got to try and figure out. I got to figure out a way where I can do it. What I got to do is I got to make an illegitimate business so I can write it off. This podcast. What are you talking about? But that's what. I, but the podcast isn't a business yet. It. Why not? Because that costs money, and I'm cheap for Frank's sakes. Listen, I don't know how the how. What what do you got? You don't have the IRS. What do you have up there? Well, we got the Canada Revenue Agency. Okay, and I have good. to deal with the IRS too because CRA. I have the US. Yeah, CRA, and I have to deal <laughs> with the IRS because I have a U.S. bank account. So every so many years, I got to fill out paperwork to tell them I, like I'm not a resident of the United States, and so I don't have to pay taxes on the money I keep in my U.S. account. All right, figure that out. So here's the thing with the IRS, you can you can report a loss for a business for three years before a red flag goes up. Really? Yeah. Hmm. And there might be something like that. I feel like that's like a fairly that might be a, a probably a, a Canadian fairly revenue. accurate thing to Canada do. You know, <laughs> it seems like a reasonable thing. Like, all right, a business isn't going to make money the first few years; it's going to lose its ass. So we got to give them a break. We'll let them go a little bit. After a while, we got to say you either got to make money or this is a hobby, and that's kind of the mentality behind that with the R- with the IRS at least is that you know. So why isn't this a business where you have travel expenses and all this expense that you know you're trying to get this thing off the ground and make money, aren't you? Mm-hmm. You know, and and so come on down. Even if it's listen, there's nothing wrong morally or otherwise with using the vintage off road nationals as a business write off. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you bring your whole family with you? Well, uh, well, you see, my wife I, is my bookkeeper, so she makes sure I don't spend too much. My oldest daughter is my social media manager. Exactly. And you y- needed a full-size <laughs> RV. You needed a full-size RV to rent for the weekend to come down. You may as well ball out of control. At the point you know you're going to be reporting a loss, you go nuts. Yeah. <laughs> Champagne all around. <laughs> Did you hear about that time that guy came down from Canada with the podcast? Oh, well, yeah. Canadian. Yeah. <laughs> their their, their health care system must be amazing. Look at all the money they have. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. You can see the Facebook arguments now. Oh, boy. Yeah, we've just oh, started boy. a good one, I'm sure. Canada's fault. Yeah, blame Canada. Isn't that, That's didn't right. they say we, that in we, South Park? <laughs> We secretly do. Yeah, <laughs> I'm co- I'm cool with it. It's... Yeah, you know, you do what you got to do. <laughs> so, no, but just seriously though, what, how, I do you know that I have a guy that comes from Sweden? Yeah, I from know. Sw- uh, there's a giant bunch bunch of water in between me I, and him. Totally, totally get it. The, here's how my issue. you can drive here. I know, but but here's the problem. Right yeah. now, I'm being pulled everywhere. I got people in. Texas that want me to go there. I got guys out in California that want me out there. I got guys in Iowa that want me to go there. Now I got people in Connecticut that want me to go there. And it's like I'm one guy and I only get four weeks of vacation. All right. So let's make a pro and let's make a checklist. Okay. Are any of those guys Sans Connecticut? Are any of those guys magazine guys? No. Former magazine guys? Not that I'm aware of. Are any of those guys named Eric Riker? No. Definitely. Do any of the races not have rules? Yep. Damn it. Yeah. Do any of those guys <laughs> love you long time? Yes. 
Yeah. I know, right? <laughs> and go on your podcast. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Who is this person? Who is this imposter? There's a bunch of them. <sighs> there's there's Tim Smith. There's Tim John Smith. Schultz. There's Bob Orham. There's Tyler. You guys start Zach. naming my friends. You guys start naming my friends too, so I won't see trash them anymore. You huh? see what I mean? It's so hard. <sighs> now, don't get me wrong. Just Connecticut so, is way way Tim, closer, bring, but bring Tim and John with you. Oh yeah, probably be able to swing something like that. Why not? You kill three birds with one stone. I know, I know. Yeah, there has we been discussion about kill- going to California, though. And Aha, Ugh. my last checkbox. Are, have any of them been in cahoots with me to win Driver of the Year? Yes. No, that's oh. not true at all. <laughs> I've only cahooted with one person, Thank and you. that person Thank is you. one of them. <laughs> Will the real car action driver of the year please, please stand, stand up? up? Yeah, tell me about it. Hashtag not Ty Tessman. Yeah. Hashtag bullshit. <laughs> I was so frustrated by that. Oh my <laughs> lord almighty. Yeah. I really thought, you know, I'm not going to lie, because I knew that the fix would be in. Yeah. And I knew that the fix would be based on advertising dollars. and But I also knew the HBI Hot Bodies was not spending even a fraction of the money that Max Amps and that Axial were spending. Yeah. And I thought for sure that was our end. <laughs> Apparently not. Nope. Ain't nothing stopped the dirty, I guess. You know what, though? We know the truth. That's all that matters. And now everybody else on this pod- that listens to this podcast does, too. <laughs> so all, accor- according to the statistics, all 400 listens will know... But somehow I, I think that I, I don't understand how the number works. So listen, I know I got people from all over the place. I get messages from people in Australia. You know, I get people from uh, overseas in the UK that message me. So I, I believe it. But at the same time, I have a hard time believing it because I'm just some friggin' Canadian sitting in his basement recording crap on a computer and putting it on the Internet. And for whatever reason, people want to listen to it. It's like... I have two remarks for that. Okay. One remark and one question. Okay. My first remark is, welcome to my very surreal and strange life. <laughs> where, where, you know, 15 years ago, there wasn't a single person that knew me, nor should they. And I'm not going to lie, 15 years later, nobody should know me at all. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to my very surreal life, where I find myself eating a popsicle and a Lamborghini with the situation from Jersey Shore. How People have dreams happen? like this after eating buffalo wings in the middle of the night. This is my actual life. Wait a minute. Did that seriously happen? I have pictures to prove it. How the <laughs> hell did that happen? Because I did a, an article for car action with the Uh-oh, we got a big, long... Uh, we got a very big, long... Oh, there's a response? Steve Pond reply. We got a Steve Pond reply. <laughs> it's a long uh, one. So... Stay tuned. <laughs> after the situation story yes, comes yes. the Steve Pond yes. answer. The cliffhanger, if you yeah. will. <laughs> Yeah, so so the the situation long after the Jersey Shore clearly, but the situation had reached out to Car Action because he got into RC cars and he was loving it and he really wanted to, you know, do more with it and he thought maybe it'd be cool to do like an article and all this stuff. Okay, great, you know. And at first it was like I got this email like on a Saturday in Costco, and I'm like, this is fake. <laughs> like this is. <laughs> This is, first of all, this is somebody trying to scam free stuff. And second of all, this is not real, you know? So, and I wasn't even going to answer it. And my wife said to me, she says, listen, you got to answer that. She says, that's, you know, how do you know that's not real? I said, 
and I go back to my remark, nobody should know me. <laughs> um, so yeah, so we packed up me and my, my photographer extraordinaire and we drove down to New Jersey to Tom's river, New Jersey. And there I am not only at the situation's house, but it's the house right next to where they film the other, the Wow and Snooky show. Oh my they're God. The same, they're <laughs> next door houses. Oh God. So yeah. So long story short, he brings out like his big catered lunch and all this stuff. And then he and I get into how we love ice cream and he wants to have an ice cream. Well, you know, we're outside eating the ice cream because his mother kicked, his mom was there, kicks us out of the house with our popsicles and we're outside and he's always, we're talking about his cars and his garage and, oh, I got to show you my Lamborghini. All right. So he opens up his garage and there's this like black, matte black Porsche and there's this Ferrari and there's this other thing, you know, BMW five series and this, he's got this Lamborghini there, this white Lamborghini. And he's like, you got to get in this thing. You got to see this thing. I'm like, okay. And we swing open the doors and we get in this thing. We're in this, you know, inside this Lamborghini. And I've eaten my ice cream at this point. <laughs> he talks. This is coming from someone who talks a lot. He talks so much. He talks way more than I do. <laughs> and he's in his popsicle. Is and he's in sitting in a black suede seat in a Lamborghini, waving his popsicle around while he's talking. And there's popsicle juice going everywhere. everywhere and he just doesn't give a shit. Oh my god, I love it. And he's just going on and on. And he's, you know, the Ferrari, anytime any little light goes on, the whole car goes in a disabled mode and you can't even drive it. I've driven this thing home from the bar. Every single light on the dashboard lit, this thing always gets me home. It's the best car. And it's, there is literally popsicle going all over the place. And I finally, like, my, my, like, OCD freaked out and I went, hey. And I stopped him and I went, you are getting popsicle all over this Lamborghini. And he, oh, Oh, all right. Hold on. And he rolls his window down and he puts the popsicle stick out the wind, the popsicle out the window, and continues his story about how great this car is. Waving the popsicle around out the window, and I'm like, oh my god, this guy! <laughs> <laughs> you gotta be shitting me. This is good. Yeah. Oh my god. So, yeah, there, there is this. Wow. My day with the situation story is that is like an eighth of the story of what happened in that one single day. Okay, so, it, so it was. I gotta ask you another question then about yeah. Was he legitimately into RC or did it just seem like yep, a... No, he was totally, no, he was all in. And it was funny because even like he was posting pictures about, you know, and he had all this Traxxas stuff because the, the hobby shop near him was like a big Traxxas dealer. It was this place in New Jersey called Ultimate Hobbies. And he got, he, what the story was is that he got his, his sister and his brother-in-law got him an RC car for his birthday, which was like 4th of July. And he got so hooked on this thing that he started going to this hobby shop. When he broke it, he went to this hobby shop and bought some parts for it. And while he was there, he saw they had other ones, and he bought this one, and he bought that one, and he bought aluminum arms. It got to the point where, like, the day that we went there, three giant boxes, like, you know, like, you know, like how big a pit bag is? Yeah, yeah. You know, for, like, an RC pit bag? Three boxes about the size of an RC pit bag showed up, and they were all energy parts, like, all aluminum energy stuff for all of his RC cars, because he discovered this company, Energy, that... He was like, oh, I got to have parts. Or, and he had like everything from the Traxxas catalog. He had at least one of. And he was like, I'm going to aluminum out everything that I have. And he was like, he was like, I mean, he was, there is not more of an RC purist at that moment in his life than, that, than the situation. <laughs> but he was totally legit. He was completely hooked on this stuff. Wow. Yeah. And I mean, it seems like hokey because, and I'll say this too, when we put up all the stuff about him, all of a sudden one of the other guys from there, so like gets like, gets hooked up with like TLR and horizon and he's got all this TLR stuff in front of him on Twitter. And he's, Oh, I love TLR. And you could just see that it was like this like hokey thing or whatever. 
in the meantime, like this guy's calling me and he's like, dude, he's like, that guy put up all this stuff at TOR. Why, you know, what's up? You know, I'm the one that's really in all this stuff. And I'm like, dude, I know you're really into this. I'm like, and then, you know, people are, oh yeah, he's just into it for the free stuff. And it's like, dude, this guy is buying everything that you see. The insane amount of stuff that he has, he has paid for everything. Mm. <laughs> you know? Wild. So, Wild. Yeah. Yeah. And then he, then he fell upon some hard times and uh, a lot of that went away, but <laughs> You know, wow. such is life, I guess. You know, if it makes anybody else out there feel better, it, it, it happens to us. It happens to him, too. <laughs> you know, so. I just can't believe that's hilarious. That's just yeah, wild. But yeah, he was that day was I'll say this. That is one of those things where in the middle of, of all this happening inside my mind, I had this conversation with myself. And I, is this really happening right now? <laughs> where where am I? Like, what did I eat for dinner that I'm now in some weird dream that this is happening? <laughs> yep. So anyway, so that was my, my, man, that was a long time ago. That was my remark to you on your very surreal life that you now entered. Yeah. My, I can't remember what my question was. I don't remember. My question is gone. Uh, we were going to so, go to the Steve Pond thing. Maybe. All right, the Steve Pond thing. Yeah, let me let me take a look at this before <laughs> make sure it's not some sort of privileged information or otherwise inappropriate <laughs> for Canadians information. Let's see. Oh man, it is pretty long. You haven't taken a minute to read it. <laughs> oh yeah, no, he's got. Oh, I'm also not. I don't read so good. Uh, oh okay. Oh, this is kind of a lame answer. All right, he says it's both true and false. He says, I didn't write art- the articles, but a prominent author of, in the music and entertainment business who also has the same name did write the articles for Playboy, Rolling Stone, and a number of other publications. Next time we talk, I'll tell you the story of an old high school classmate that called me out um, called me out of the blue 10 years after he graduated and started pitching me, with, with his, pitching me his band. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that makes sense because that was yeah. So, there, then, so okay. it, was, it was in fact a different Steve Pond. Okay, but what are the odds of that though? Two Steve Ponds that did magazine stuff. We all have a doppelganger in this I guess, world. I guess so. Yeah, but normally it's we not have the a, same name. Did I ever tell you? Have you ever? Did I? Have I ever told you the tale of the other Eric Riker? No. Oh boy. We are never going to talk. We are never going to get to the vintage off road nationals, and I don't even care. We got huge shoes to fill because the last episode I put out was almost three hours long. So, like, if we get to like three hours, I got you. We got this. Yeah. So, (laughs) if we get to like the two hour mark, then we're laughing. And so goes the tale of the evil (laughs) Eric Riker. Oh boy. (laughs) Every one of us. Listening, recording, and sitting in this office right now has Googled our name at one point or another. Yep. So way back in the age 2000, in the year 2000, <laughs> I Googled my name, and there comes up another Eric Reichert. And it's not like some kid in like Rochester, New York. There's no Facebook yet. This man is a, I, the best I can figure he is like the governor of a province in Germany. Oh my god! And he's a very—he's—I won't say he's a very old man. He's a much older man, elderly. He's an elderly man. Okay. But he's <laughs> a very prominent politician. He is, from what I can understand, from my very very poor ability to read German, he is about the equivalent of like a secretary of state. He's like everybody knows who he is. 
he's not really in charge. You know, he's not quite the president, but he's up there, you know, and he's got this providence. He's, he, he governs this province in Germany and this is his deal. And his name is Eric Reichert, but he is, I mean, if there was like a poster child for the master race, this guy looks like he is like the blondest, most Aryan looking person I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and I'm like, this can't be. I can't allow this. I can't. This this can't be the internet famous Eric Riker. I have to take this man down, and I make it my life's work to take this man apart. <laughs> <laughs> I go about, you know, RC racing puts me on the map a little bit. You know, I show up at Snowbirds. I show up over here and there. You know, two three pages into Google, but it's a solid two or three pages of evil Eric Riker. <laughs> <laughs> so. At the time, I'm a graphic designer, and I'm like, well, I need to build myself a website for you know my portfolio and my work and stuff. So I go, and I register ericreichert.com. And I said, well, and I said, okay, that's good. I got my website. And I started thinking to myself, well, evil Eric Riker is going to cause a lot of problems for you and your portfolio. So I get ericreichert.net, ericreichert.whatever.tv.thisthing, eric-riker, eric.riker. I get every domain name that I can conceivably think of, and I register them all. And I take every <laughs> every possible combination of ericreichert.com imaginable, and I still have them to this day, and I will not give them up, ever. So this man clearly did not need a website for a very long time. And so then I start working at RC Driver. My life goes on. I start working at... You know, I start writing for Extreme, and then I keep going, and I end up at Car Action. And I, now, if you Google Eric Riker, I show up for like three or four pages before you even see him. Even Google Images, it's like a, almost a, a solid screen worth of thumbnails before you, of other people even before you get to him. I have knocked him so far down the list. But again, I'll remind you, this is my life's work. So... I finally, I said, you know, I wonder if he ever did get a website. I type in his name, I search, I go three pages, and I finally find him. And lo and behold, the one thing that he has that I don't have in this world, a Wikipedia page. He has a Wikipedia page, and I do not. And I come to find out after some research that the proper etiquette for a Wikipedia page, hint, 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 is that somebody else makes it for you. You can fill out whatever you want after the fact. But it's really kind of a, a dick thing to do to make yourself a Wikipedia page. So I won't. Oh, but okay. I don't know if there's two people out there. One person, I guess. If somebody out there loves me enough that would make me a Wikipedia page, you will be helping me in a, in a life's quest of destroying a person in another country. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's just put it this way. Do it for America. <laughs> so... Through his Wikipedia page, I find that he does now have a website. The one damn one that I forgot about. <laughs> he has eric-riker.de. <laughs> this man had to hyphenate. He had to hyphenate his name and get a de one. <laughs> That's hilarious. He, I have, I have ruined this man. <laughs> and I'll say this: once I got to the point where I realized how much I demoralized him socially, like across the internet. Then I felt bad. And now I kind of want to meet him. (laughs) But not until I get my Wikipedia page, just in case anybody was really thinking about it right now. 
I love you forever. So, you do. So, <laughs> you, you know, you're not alone though in sharing, like, with somebody of prominence, like your name. Yeah, because I'm the most famous Eric Riker. Well, yeah, see, I, I, I can't even say that. Even with the podcast, I can't even say that. Because the other Matthew Houston that comes up when you Google it yeah, is a 34-year-old Le Mans driver. Really? Yeah. That's pretty cool. So I was born on July 15th of 84. He was born August 25th of 83. Really? That's like, pretty awesome. Right. It, it is kind of, but that's a good one to share with. Yeah, it's not bad. But what's funny though is when I scroll to the bottom of all the the, the results on uh, Google, yeah, I, I made it on the first page. Let's see, I'm googling you right now. There's the right off the bat. There's his Wikipedia page. There's yeah. his little Google feedback preview. Yep, yep. Oh boy. Oh, obituaries. Yeah, I know. There was another. Oh, look one. at this, Glastonbury, Connecticut. Yeah, there's they're all over. There's some in Texas. You have to come to see. You have to come to Connecticut. All right, back to my list of checkboxes. Do any of those other people have a Matthew Housen that has passed away in their state? Probably not. Yes. Yes. Hey, I oh win. man, I really hope I make it past fifty-two, though. Bloody hell. Yeah. Well, we won't. Oh, that, courageous battle of cancer and heart disease. Awesome. All right. All right. Okay, Just watch out. Moving along. All right, LinkedIn, top 10 Matthew Housen profiles. I'm definitely not on there. No, I see lots of race cars and images. Matthew Housen racing, white pages. Yeah, Where, no, are I, I, Where are you? Where are you? I don't here? even think I made it in like the first 10. I wonder if this guy has like set out to ruin you the way I ruined the evil Eric Riker. I wonder <laughs> if you're the evil Matthew Housen. Oh, maybe. There you go. <laughs> We'll Getty go. Images. Do you have Getty Images? Let's oh, see. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a nope. minute. Nope. Soccer players. You know what's funny? What? If I, on, on page number nine, there's actually a mention of my name on the TSR Speed Shop RC podcast. But how the... Fr- see? For the longest time, the only thing that I came up on Google with was the one time that I was on when RC Driver used to do like a video like a daily video thing at the end of the day, the one time I showed up for it and then they, they actually edited me out of it because I stopped working for them. <laughs> but, but it, <laughs> so I was in it and I would, so because I was in it, I show up in all the Google descriptions for it. But if you watch it, I'm not actually in it because they actually went back and edited me out of them. <laughs> How passive aggressive is that? Yeah. Just, just a little. <laughs> A little passive aggressive. Just a little. Jeez. I didn't even do anything. Man. <laughs> I don't exist much on the internet at all. No. Where uh, are you? I'm man, apparently uh, there's a Matt Housen in Timmins, Ontario. What the uh, fuck? <laughs> like that is not even that far away from me. There's a there's a I'll call it by everybody else's word. There's a footballer named Matthew Housen. Really? Oh, all right. Yeah. Son of a bitch. You got a race car driver and a soccer player. Who would have thought? That's okay. I'm good with it. All right. Six pages in, I still can't find you. <clears throat> yeah, like I said. Oh, here you are. Here you are. Oh, there we go. Tim Smith, TimSmithRacing.Podbean.com. Yeah, and I bet you it was the one where my chum Mike is asking how he can go faster than me, right? Yeah. This is, yeah, Mike, yeah. I want to go fast like Tim Smith. <laughs> Come on. We got to get you on the ball here. We need MatthewHousen.com. 
Well, that's I have, how it all I have starts. The, you know what's you know what's funny about that? What is it again? The great. Hang on. I had to I had to type it in. Oh, that didn't work. Oh, because I spelled it wrong. Can't even spell my own thing right. I'll even put it out there. If somebody wants to start a Wikipedia page for me, you can write whatever you want about me on it. <laughs> it worked for Daniel Tosh. It'll work for me. Well, figure <laughs> that one out. Really? How did that not work out properly? Oh, yeah, it's on there. See, I went and okay. I did this ingenious thing. So, what was it? Oh, oh, I remember. Not oh so long ago, this wonderful announcement came out that um, the wonderful government of mine, mm-hmm. well, that's a Really? Hmm. What happened? Uh, I'm just that sounds grim, everybody. Yeah, I'm not too impressed with something right now. i got to look into something. Uh-oh. Because you know, I paid for something for a year, and it's not present. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Cool. Anyway, um... Long story short is when our wonderful Canadian government decided to come out with this ingenious idea of raising the minimum wage. Yeah. Uh, from I don't know even know what it is right now. It's like I think it's eleven something. By the end of next year, it'll be fifteen dollars an hour. Yeah. So I had this ingenious idea that I was going to go and start this new thing called the Great Canadian Mouthpiece because, uh, yeah, it was going to be a bit of a an opinionated person on it. Let's go with yeah. that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, uh, I thought I went and registered the website, but apparently I didn't. I'm pretty sure I thought this I grabbed what, it. This is very similar to, to, to attempt to steer this ship back towards the vintage off-road national. That's a very similar thing that what happened to me with my hotel reservation for said vintage <laughs> off-road national. <laughs> okay, we I thought I made story. my hotel reservations. <laughs> I swore up and down that I not only made my hotel reservation, but I reserved a room at another hotel just so I'd have a spare hotel room in case because i'm so thoughtful i thought you know what's going to happen somebody's going to wait somebody's going to at the last minute decide they can come somebody's wife is going to finally sign their permission slip and now there's no rooms (laughs) and i'm going to swoop in and save the day because i thought ahead for that person to save a room in case somebody needed one last minute and i figured worst case scenario is last minute i'll just cancel it like i got like 24 hours before i got to check in to cancel i'll just cancel it no big deal (laughs) yeah so, I'm not going to lie. It wasn't at the best hotel, and it wasn't at the hotel of my choice. But, like I said, it was a spare room. It was a spare room. <laughs> but I promise you, Matthew, I promise you that I went on Doubletree.com, and I booked a room for myself. And then I went on to this hotel site, and I'll leave them out of it because I've already trashed their hotel, that I went on their site, and I reserved another room. And then, after I did that, because I know that if I announce it first, everybody else is going to book rooms, and then I'm not going to be able to get a room. So I, re- I booked my rooms before I told anybody else. Sent out the announcement about the race and said, this hotel is really nice. This hotel, not so nice. But both available. And then everybody went, and they booked their rooms and all. And I'm talking to my friend about how I booked an extra room in case somebody needs one. And don't worry about it. If you guys can't figure it out, you can stay in the room I got and all this stuff, right? Two weeks before the race, I said, you know, I better just check on all this. Something, it seemed weird that I wasn't getting any emails about my upcoming trip. <laughs> I called the Double Tree in, my beloved Double Tree in, and no, Mr. Reichert, no reservation for you. Well, how can that be? 
and I'm looking all over the place. I can't find a confirmation email anywhere. My computer had gotten like, I lost all my emails on my computer when I updated the operating system. So I didn't have many emails on there. And then my phone decides that after a month or so, it's just going to delete whatever emails it doesn't like anymore. So I couldn't find emails anywhere to prove that I had done this. But I swear I had seen confirmation emails for both of these. (laughs) And I'm very, now I'm very panicked because, well, I sort of have to be at this race, right? Yeah, kind (laughs) of. So I said, well, do you have any availability? Oh, yeah, we have availability. When do you want to stay? I said, well, I need to come up on Wednesday. And I need to check out on on Monday morning. Okay, great. And she goes and she looks and I hear her go, oh, and I went, oh. And she goes, well, she says I have a hotel, I have a room for, I have availability from Wednesday to Friday, and then I have available again from Sunday to Monday. So I had nowhere to stay on Saturday. <laughs> and I said, well. At this point, it's now like a week and a half before my race. If there's not going to be a hotel room there, there's not going to be anywhere else. So I told her, I said, I'll take it. I said, I'll either figure out where to stay. And she says, well, you can also, you know, sometimes people cancel at the last minute. You know, there might be a room on Saturday. You just have to ask every day. I said, okay. So I go up there. I'm like, I'm going to get a hotel room, right? Uh, no problem. And they had no hotel rooms. They had no hotel rooms for me on Saturday at all. So I ended up having to find another hotel to stay at. But, uh, yeah, that's, that happened to me, my friend. Or I thought something was in place. I could have sworn up and down that I paid for it. I had a reservation email and all this, and I had nothing. Isn't that always fun? It's fantastic. Let me tell you how that really sets off organizing a racing event on the right foot when you don't have a place to stay. Uh, yeah, nothing I can like- imagine. There's nothing like starting off a four or five day event that you're promoting and organizing by being homeless. There's no better way to start it. Trust me. <laughs> yeah. Oh so that happened to me among many other things, but that happened to me to, to start off my entire adventure. That was the vintage off-road nationals. So yeah. Well, speaking of that, because speaking if, of that, if I understand correctly, you guys had to move this year. Did you not? We did. We had to move. Um, we had the race the past three years at Wolcott Hobbies in Waterbury, Connecticut, which is 15 minutes from my house. Right. And it was nice because I could just go home, sleep in my own bed. I could barbecue. I barbecued after the after each day of the Vintage Off-Road Nationals. I made myself nice. Whatever I wanted to make, I played a little PlayStation. It was nice. I had my friends come over. We'd hang out in my office, stuff like that. It was cool. Well... Wuka Hobbies has closed their RC facility and sold off the hobby business and all this other stuff for greener pastures. So there are other tracks in Connecticut, but they are either turf tracks, which are very nice, or there's one that has an outdoor dirt track, which I have learned in the past, outdoor tracks deter people from traveling to races because if it gets rained out and there's no race, now they still pay for the hotel and everything and all travel. So they won't come, but that track also has an indoor track that's carpet and he's a super great guy. And it's like, it's, I mean, talk about if there was a vintage RC place to have it, this place is the place. Like he's been around forever. He runs an awesome business. He's a great dude. I race there. It's an awesome place, but he has no indoor dirt track for me. And there isn't an indoor dirt track for, for me to use for a two hour radius. 
I could go to New Jersey, I could go to Long Island, or I could go to Massachusetts. And so, yeah, we moved it to RC Excitement in Fitchburg, Massachusetts. Um, he is an awesome guy I've known for a long time, too, from going up there for his J-Concepts races that he has and stuff. And he has a pretty long history with Connecticut tracks, you know, doing point series and, and you know, racers from there coming here, and we go up there and everything else. So um, I reached out to him to do the race there, and he was all in. Like, right from the get-go, he's like, yeah, he's like, let's absolutely do this. He was so excited to have this race, and I was like, this is awesome. I'm like, we're going to have a great time doing this. And he, uh, I'm not going to lie, they did such an awesome job promoting the race and getting local people involved in, you know, building a, a track for us and having this facility all cleaned up, and it, and it looked awesome, and we all had a great time, and they they really killed it there. The guys at the RC Excitement did an amazing job. Right on. Well, that's yeah, because I, I remember seeing that because originally, hang on, I got to clear my throat here. I didn't want to do it on the microphone. So, um, I did it for you on the microphone. <laughs> thanks, thanks. <laughs> See, for whatever reason, I thought back when I seen this going on that it was that uh, the original hobby place you guys were running it at was going to switch over to carpet. He, he, had, some, he had some second thoughts. Um, you know, he thought about going, putting a carpet track in. I think he even considered putting a turf track in it at another point. And, you know, the thing that has happened is he had a lot of his race. He had, a, he had a pretty good club racer community there for a while. And then little by little, people started going, you know, their kids are playing soccer. This one's doing that. And the other thing, before he knew it, like this past winter, he didn't really have anybody come for racing. And, you know, he, in the meantime, had a, another business that was, you know, doing very well. And I can't blame him. I can't fault him for putting his time and energy into that business. And, you know, that was making money hand over fist for him and he's doing great yeah. with it so he eventually just decided you know well, i could put this carpet track in i could put the turf track in you know and i talked to him about you know well does it make sense when there's already a turf track 10 minutes from you and a carpet track 50 you know 25 30 minutes from you and yeah i don't know maybe i just stay there i said you know, well, you know just decide you know because i gotta kind of let people know if we're racing here or not and you know eventually he came back to me he's like i'm sorry to tell you know sorry to do this to you so late but you know, I, I got to take the whole thing out of here, and he's going to commit that space that he had for the track. To, I think he said he's going to make it into a shooting range for his, it's a gun. He has a gun shop, uh, so okay, he's going to okay. make it new. Sh- I mean, how awesome is that though? A gun shop that has its own, you know, shooting range in it and everything else is, is, is perfect for him. So, you know, so that's what he ended up doing with it, I guess. So, but uh, yeah, so you know, it was unfortunate, and it meant that for the first time in you know my life, I had to travel for my own race. <laughs> you, know, but, you know, I guess I can't believe I'm doing this. The whole point of this thing was that so I could still go to like a big race, you know, and have some fun with people from other places, but I didn't have to go far. Yeah, you know, yeah, and now yeah. here I am, but allegedly booking hotel rooms that I didn't really book, and then you know, going through all the hijinks of trying to travel to a race. So, yeah, but I mean, we had a great time. I had a fantastic time. You know, it's it's stressful and everything for me. And you know, it's funny. The week of this race, every year I swear that this is the last year I'm doing this. I'm never doing this again. I hate this race. <laughs> <laughs> every year, I cur- the week of the race, I'm cursing this thing. Why did I do this to myself again? I hate this race. I'm never going to do this thing again. I'm going to just get rid of it and blah blah blah. And then I see everybody at the race and everybody's smiling and we all go out for dinner and we're all laughing and being rowdy and. You know, I, I see everybody coming home on Sunday with all sorts of, you know, door prizes and trophies and shirts, and everybody had a blast. And, you know, we had Cliff left there, and all this crazy stuff happened throughout the weekend. 
And I'm like, you know what? This is why I do this race. You know, like no matter if it tries to kill me every single year and every year it gets a little bit closer to succeeding, but you know, (laughs) every year that it almost kills me and I wonder why I do it. If I, when I look around at the guys having a great time that I'm reminded that that's exactly why I do this. So, yeah. yeah. And I, and I totally get that, that idea of it because I've kind of tossed around that idea of, of hosting basically like a big, like MBM podcast, invitational, slash trophy race just to <clears throat> do something different right like make it a, a yeah. big a big one but my my issue i have is do i because i'm so l- close to the u.s border do i look for a track close to me to host it from or do i approach the local club here and say you know here's an opportunity for not only my podcast but for the club to earn some money and put on a big event. And then, you know, I start thinking about a lot of the guys that I do race with. Well, can everybody get over the border? Will everybody decide to cross? So, you know what I mean? I've been kind of tossing that idea around what's going to be more suitable. Is it easier just to have it down in Michigan and kind of, because I know if it's in Michigan, I'm going to get a lot of guys that'll come to it. The guys from Wisconsin will come. Any of the guys that can from Iowa will come up. You know what I mean? Like I know that, that that's, but if it's in Canada, that might be that just that little bit of a deferral that I'm going to lose like ten, fifteen guys. Well, I'll say this, and it's it's me finally paying it forward. When I started doing this race years and years ago, I started talking to Mike Boylan, who organizes the Snowbird Nationals right. down in Florida every year. Yep. I mean that race is arguably, you know, especially at that time was huge. It is a hum- it's one of the biggest races of the year. Mm, and definitely. you know, he handles a massive amount of racers, you know, inside of a week and he does really well at that race. So I had always gone to his race, you know, for the last few years I was at the magazines and stuff like that and I got to know him pretty well and I was lucky enough to get to know him to a point where I could kind of pick his brain and you know, we started talking about my race and things, and I'll I'll, I'll give you <laughs> the combination of his advice to me. I will pay forward to you, and I will also give you my now ten years of experience with with running a race and organizing a race. The first piece of advice I give you: don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> you will not you will not ever realize how peaceful and happy your life is until you destroy it by trying to start a race for yourself. Um, my second piece of advice for you is absolutely do it local. And that's, that was actually the first piece of advice he ever gave me was do it close to your home because there's things about running a race that you won't learn your first year that every single year I've learned something new. And I mean, big, something big that's like, how have I done this 10 years? And I still don't know everything about this, you know? Yeah. And when you're close to home, when you learn something mid mid weekend, you can run home and take care of it. You can run to something local that you know somebody at or whatever you got to do. Everything is close to home. You know, your wife can be supportive. Your friends can be supportive. Everybody is behind you because they're close. When you go far away for your race, you are out in the middle of nowhere by yourself, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it's a bad, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a situation that only money fixes. <laughs> you know, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know what you're saying there. You know, and I'll say this too. It, the third piece of advice I'll give you is with it being kept in mind to keep it local to you, put it where the biggest group of people that you know are into this, whatever you want to do, where they are. You know, and at the time, we didn't really have much of a community for vintage racing. Like when I first started this thing in 2008, 
we had like it was it was this started because we there was a group of us on an RC forum called RC10 Talk, and there was like maybe twelve or fifteen of us that were even in the United States, and we would sit on on this forum all day long and talk about RC10s and put up you know silly pictures and and laugh at each other and have a great time all the time. And I thought you know wow it'd be really cool if we actually like could get, have like an RC10 talk meet like we all get together and finally meet each other we talk to each other every single day for years on end here why couldn't we get together somewhere you know and i said well you know what if we rented a track somewhere as a club rented a track for a weekend and just bashed you know just brought our RC10s brought quad busters brought whatever we want to bring and just run around on a track and hang out for a weekend you know take our you know take our online community into real life and then that was like, well, you know, why wouldn't why would we rent a track and go through all the expense if we weren't going to race? You know, especially that most of the stuff is racing cars. All right, we'll have a race. And I said, okay, well, you know, why don't I have a race? You know, close to me. But then, you know, it kind of makes sense too because, you know, there's like three guys down in you know two guys in Arizona and a guy in New York City and a guy over here and a couple guys in Tennessee and a guy over there and a guy over there. But most of us were at least like, if you could take the United States and break it into four quarters, most of us were in like the upper right quarter. Yeah. Right. So, you know, so I said, well, if we're going to do it in the upper right quarter, that's where, you know, out of the 15 or so of us that there were, you know, 10 of us were there. Okay. That's that. And since I'm the one who came up with this idea, why don't I make it where I live? <laughs> you know? And that's really how it started. And it was just the right time in the right place. Um, there was a new track that was like being built while I was kind of working on this and, um, at the time we had like this off-road track around here it was an outdoor track. We were going to have it out originally. And like uh, three weeks before the race, I go up to the track to kind of count pit spaces just to make sure we had like 15 or 20 pit spaces. Cause I wasn't quite sure. And I go up there and the guy who owned the track is like feverishly packing his car with all the inventory of the store. And he's like trying to get his stuff out of there before the landlord comes back because he's like breaking his lease and everything. And I'm like, oh my god! Like, what are you talking about? Like, we're supposed to have this race. Like, I bought a magazine, a page in a magazine to advertise that this race is going to be here, <laughs> you know? And here's this guy, like, nope, sorry, I'm closing. Goodbye. And I'm like, oh. So I got in my car and I go running up to this track that's like still under construction. And I go to one, you know, it's two owners. One of them's my friend Mark, and he was at the shop that day. And I'm like, Mark, I'm like, I need your help. I'm like, you know, I was holding the whole situation. I said, you know, do you think you could get this track, this place built in three weeks? And, and he, like, he wasn't even the guy building it. His partner was the guy who was doing, like, all the, like, construction work and building the track, you know, driving the machines and everything else. They had no hobby shop built yet. They had no track built yet. They had, like, no, like half the pits weren't built yet. They got this entire place put together in three weeks for me to have my race at their place. And that was where we had the very first one. And it was like my race was the very first weekend it was open for business to like run a race and everything. Wow. So, yeah, it was just the right time and the right place that like, you know, I brought people in there. Like, you know, they always said to me that, you know, the people that came to that first race ended up becoming their local racers, you know, that they had every week. You know, and it was just it was the right, the right place at the right time that like those local racers also got into, you know, the vintage thing because we had the race there. It just it all worked really nicely for a while, you know. Yeah, yeah, so. for sure. So but yeah, that's I would I would do it local, you know. Yeah, well, and and when I say like, do I go into Michigan and do it? I'm talking within like 
three and a half hours at an established place, and all I need yeah. to really do, more or less, is send a design down that way, bring some trophies and stuff with me, work with the people that I know in RC. Because, see, when you say to me, don't do it, I've done trophy races. I've, yeah. I've done the legwork, but not for me personally, for the local club here. I've done the legwork, yeah. reached out to the companies to get you know this, that, and the other thing to give away to racers, to do this with, to do that with. So yeah. I know what it takes on the backside to, to put a half-decent event together, and I know yep. what it takes to kind of run it, plus try and race in it. And I think if I'm going to do it the first year, I'm not racing in it. I'm going to be there. I'm going to do most of the race directing so that way I make sure the show runs the way I expect it to run, the way I want to see it run for the racers, because at the end of the day, I want to make sure they all come out and have a really good time and don't yeah. stress out the, the fact that, okay, we've been here for 12 hours. Are we almost done? Right. That is, that is the piece of information that I learned this year, is that if I really want to do this and I really want everybody else to have a good time and I want things to run the way I expect them to be run and, and give people what I say I'm going to do for them, then I cannot race at my own event. You know, it, the the problem this year was that I'm trying to, you know, the learning curve for traveling to a race is humongous. I foolishly thought that I was it was just going to involve taking everything to the track in one shot, you know, that as long as I figured out the logistics of getting everything packed in two Massachusetts, everything else would be exactly the same way. And, man, I couldn't have been more wrong, you know. I got up there, and it was like, this thing was running behind, and I didn't have the trophies done, and this, and the shirts, and, you know, it was just like little thing after little thing that, like, if I if it, if I were still in Connecticut, I could have, that wouldn't have been, even been issues. All of a sudden, now that I'm three hours away, are huge issues, you know. Yeah. And I'm trying to juggle all that, and I'm trying to get this race going, and I was at least smart enough that I hired a really good friend of mine to run the race, and another really good friend of mine to cover the race for me. So I knew those parts would be taken care of without me even having to be involved. And, you know, they both worked their butts off, and they did a great job. But they saved me a lot of headache. But the thing that I found it still impossible to do was juggle all these small problems, including finding a place to sleep Saturday night, (laughs) and work on RC cars, and work on my son's RC cars, and actually race and get a car set up, and do all this other stuff. And it just... It got to the point on Saturday where we're trying to race. I'm trying to race these cars. I had to just stop. You know, things were starting to get a little out of control, and the schedule was running behind. And we had to end up cutting a qualifier out and stuff like that because we were behind and stuff like that. That I feel like if I had not been playing with my own RC car and trying to race, maybe I would have been more on top of. Yeah, Yeah, I would. I would have been more on top of it. So, and you know, it was one of those things where we were running behind because people weren't going out to corner marshal. People weren't were taking their time and things like that and it ended up dragging out, you know, hours beyond what it was supposed to. Yeah. You know, and and I think they you know, a few people said to me, like, you know, listen, it's you know, it's not your fault, it's our fault that we were taking our time. I said, Well, thank you, but at the same time I still have to own it because I'm the one over here running a race and here I am playing with my cars instead of doing the job that I'm here to do. Yep. Yep. You know, so that that was I'll say that that was not fun. I did not enjoy explaining to people that, you know, sorry, I have to cut the program short today. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, you know, it was, that was a big lesson for me this year. But, you know, that that's the big lesson I took away from this year was that, you know what, if I want to really do this and I want to do it on the level I want to do it on and I want to squeeze in as many things as I want to give everybody for, you know, for a weekend, mm-hmm. I can't do all that and race cars. So, 
you know, I, I, I have to really look at what I want to do next year as far as if I want to race or not, but I'm certainly not, you know, this race doesn't really exist for me to race at. So. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. <laughs> See, and yeah. I'd, I'd love to go to, my issue is this. Now, I, I, I was super excited when I seen um, a friend of mine down in Iowa that runs a hobby shop, Star Collectibles, got in two RC-10 gold pans. One was a little bit hodgepodge together. The shocks didn't match, stuff like that. The other one, yep. the shocks all matched. And I was like, okay, that's the one I want. So I messaged him. I said, listen, here's what I got, which was my old SC-10 4x4. Uh, mm-hmm. I let it go with the servo. That's a good, that's a good swap. Yeah, for him. <laughs> yeah. But I wanted well, it. I think for you, but... <laughs> well, but in, in, like, you know, I traded the SC-10 4x4. That thing was still good to go. It had the motor and it's still servo in it because I'm definitely not tearing it apart to take a servo out of it. Oh, that's not yeah, happening. That's, no. <laughs> so, uh, and I wasn't overly upset because it actually saved me putting an MKS servo in it and taking the Spectrum out of it. So I just left the Spectrum mm-hmm. in it and kept my MKS servo. Win, mm-hmm. in my book. But when I got it, I was very unaware of the history and how you can tell which which RC10 you have and da 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 da. Yep. So finally, when I started trying to find it out, I had to take the car apart. Yeah. So I started taking it apart, and I'm messaging you and asking you questions. It's like, well, it's an A stamp, and then you're like, well, it's a better A stamp if it's not drilled for the stealth transmission, which yep. mine isn't. Yep. Now the chassis is marked up. My problem is this: if I spend the time and the money to make the car whole again, like look look correct, but not change the chassis at all, like leave it with the 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 wear on it and everything like that, but just make it so that way it can be like a. Sh- I don't think I could bring myself to race it. Well, so that's the thing. You know, I tell everybody with this. I get people. I mean, you like you message me. I get those kind of messages. 365 days a year <laughs> I get four or five guys at a time especially closer to the race I get no joke five or six people like in, in an hour I've got five or six people that I'm talking to at the same time having the exact same conversation five <laughs> or six times and most of them are people that are honestly look at the fact that I have rules which I don't really consider rules but they're considering them rules um, people reading very deeply into them People taking them way more seriously than I take them, <laughs> you know, things like that. And you know, the thing is, I I really call, I like to call them guidelines. You know, I, I hate calling them rules. They are kind of rules, but to me, they're they're meant to be guidelines. And the guidelines serve one purpose: get it running. <laughs> That's all they're for is get it running. You know, they're kind of make everybody the same. And get your cars running in a way that's easy enough to deal with for a weekend to have fun. Yeah. You know, and that's sort of the whole idea of this race is not to have rules. Because to me, I always tell everybody, rules ruin races. You know, every every controversy that's ever been at any Roar National or anything else was over some rule that somebody read a different way than somebody else. Or somebody found some way around something or, you know. So rules ruin races. So I refuse to call them rules. As far as them being guidelines, it's just to kind of set some limits. You know, oldish cars. You know, everybody says, well, it says 1994. Yeah, but, you know, I also wrote those rules 10 years, you know, 11 some years ago. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. When 1994 was a pretty decent little, you know, cutoff. You know, but since then, I mean, nobody in, you know, in 2008, nobody was collecting double X4s. You know, nobody was collecting B2s and B3s and all these other things that, you know, everybody at some point got an RC-10. Everybody got a Jarex too. 
you know, people start collecting other things because they want to stay doing this. And they want to get into other stuff and they're looking for something new, you know? And after a while I started getting people asking, well, you know, can I run a double X four? And I told them no. And then when two people asked me if I could, they could run a double X four and I said, no, when I had like four and five people in a year, ask me, I finally was like, you know what? Let's run them, you know? And, and I'll say this, it took over the four wheel drive class. You know, that that one car is now, I may as well just call it the double X4 class because it's really 95% to almost 100% double X4s, you know. But at the same time, yeah, they didn't come out in 94. They came out in like 97, 98, but everybody's collecting them. So it's more just a collectible, uh, you know, is it collectible? Yeah. Is it old-ish? Yeah. Then let's run it. Yeah. You know, they're, they're guidelines, you know, people are all, oh, well, you know, and I said, okay, 17, five motors, because, you know, I didn't want people going too fast that they're smashing parts for cars <laughs> that, you know, that, that aren't being made anymore. Right. You know, and, and sure enough, every single year, somebody brings some car and they bring no parts or they have no parts and they break it in practice. Of course. And now they have nothing, yeah. they have nothing to run for the weekend, you know? So I tried to make it something where we could have some fun and be a little racy about it, but not so bad that people are smashing their things to bits and taking themselves out of the weekend. Yeah. So see, you what know? I've been and thinking of doing was getting my hands on, uh, like the you know how they did the the RC10 Worlds Edition, where yeah. it, like use the newer arms. Mm-hmm. On that was my thought. I'm like, maybe I'll get yep. one of those, and that way, if I do race it and break it, those parts are still kind of easier to find. Yeah. I mean, that's sort of the argument that was made with that car was, you know, people say, well, you know, they, they re-released it and they called it the world's car and it's by no means a world's car. Fair enough. But that's not why they were making it. They Associated made that car so that you could have an RC10 that you could race. Mm-hmm. You know, what that should have been called was like a Champions Edition or something else along those lines. Yeah. You know, for the, the, for the sort of the nostalgia collector, heart, you know, enthusiast. To call it the world's car was like the worst thing they could have done, um, especially that that was never even their intention. It wasn't to make that world's car. It was to make a car that people that wanted to come to my race like you could buy something and put it together out of a box and race it. You know, the classic was a great car and it was, you know, named, you know, presumably for the classic class that they race in, in my, at my race, because that was kind of the only race at the time. Um, you know, and it was the short arm car, and it was all this stuff. But and they, you know, they're fun, but they don't really handle well enough to really race in a two wheel drive class against other two wheel drive cars that people are modifying and stuff. So when they made the world's car, that was sort of the point of it was to have an RC10 that you could go race. You know, mm-hmm. so that's the thing. And uh, but I get people every year. You know, could I run these motors? Could I run a sensorless motor and turn the throttle down? Could I run this kind of you know? You know, I want to run all vintage electronics. It's like, listen, the reason I say brushless and you know lipo batteries isn't isn't to be <laughs> super competitive here. It's to you know so that you don't have a speed control that's overheating, so that you don't have to cut armatures and replace brushes, so you don't have you know thirty year old nickel metal batteries that you you're trying to keep running that only get like two minutes of runtime because they're so old. <laughs> you know, it's it's all just in. It, it's not even to like. Where it gets frustrating for me is trying to to not argue with people, but explain to them that they're they're guidelines to get your car running. They're not rules to limit people down to be competitive. You know, and if you're if you're looking at them thinking, well, I'm going to try and find some way in between this stuff so that I'm more competitive, you're completely missing the point of why we're doing this. Yeah. You know. So, but you know, it's it's funny. I mean, I get people. 
I get, you know, collectors that just want to come run, you know, that want to check out old cars. I get people that that's what they got and that's, you know, they finally have a place to play with it. And I get people that they, they literally, it could be this, it could be the Ithmar world. They don't care what it is. They just want to come and win, you know? So I get a little of everybody and it's kind of an interesting clash of, you know, philosophies here, but, um, you know, it's, it's a ton of fun. And I just, I always tell people, I'm like, you're overthinking this, you're overthinking this. And, and I think I even told you when you were, Oh, you know, I want to get this. And you know, this chassis is not the right chassis. I'm like, listen, does it have a transmission? Does it have suspension arms on it? And can you put electronics in it? Can you get it running? (laughs) You know, and that's sort of the point. If you can buy it on eBay and you can make it drive down your driveway, you can bring it to my race. (laughs) (laughs) So, well, you know, (laughs) so come next year, never mind that, which a stamp it is. And, you know, this thing and somebody drilled it for a stealth transmission or whatever else, just bring it. Oh, well, <laughs> you know? that, that's not it. It just, to me, it's kind of like, I, I have an affinity and a very big fondness for RC, obviously. And for the history of RC and racing, because I enjoy racing so much, as I go further into the hobby, I kind of have a more bigger appreciation for it. And just the fact that I know that I have an A-stamp RC-10 is really cool for me, right? Because, you know, six, seven years ago when I got into RC, I didn't know what the hell an RC-10 was. Like, I didn't, that didn't cross my mind or wasn't, and now to know that I have something that was that far back and, you know, me, and I've seen them, that's the worst part, and I never have the money when I see them. I honestly, and I don't know why, for whatever reason, I want a BJ4 in the box, not built. Yeah. So. And I know to most people that's just ludicrous because, well, what are you going to do with it? Oh, I'm going to no. build it. <laughs> I'm totally going <laughs> well, to build it. that's the part that's ludicrous. I'm going to so open the box and I'm going to build it to put topic. it on a shelf. <laughs> that's one of my favorite topics in all this is to build it or not to build it, you know? Build it. And there's, there's. There's pros and cons for both, but I, I had a friend a long time ago. I had a, a Jerex 2 in the box, and I know people are having a heart attack right now. The fact that I had a brand new in box Jerex 2, and I opened it, and I cut open every bag, and I built it, and I'm looking at it right now, <laughs> you know, and then I sold the box. That's the best part is I sold the box to somebody else. See, I, I so, wouldn't sell the box. I, I would keep everything, yeah. and I'd put it on display. There's too many boxes. It gets to be too yeah, many boxes. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying there. <laughs> But yeah. I don't have but, a large, large want list. Like, my list is very, yeah. very small, but that's high on the list. And like I said, I've seen them. And, yeah. you know, every time it seems to be that I mention it to somebody or think about it, then one pops yeah. up on Facebook, and it's like, yep. I, I just my mine. wife will make me Matter sleep fact. in the damn garage for a year if I spend that money right now. Yep. <laughs> I, there was one on eBay back, I think it must have been in the spring or was even maybe last winter, and I just, I happened to have a little money burning a hole in my pocket. And it was one of those things where it was like, it was ending at a weird time. And I got it for what I think was a song, you know? And uh, I had it and I'm like, oh, I have a BJ4 World's car, brand new in the box. And I put it away. I wrapped it up in a plastic bag to protect it. And I <laughs> put it away next to the, the, the few other cars that I have, you know, brand new in a box. And, yeah, I figured, well, that one's cool because I'll never have to open it because I still have my BJ4 World's car that I reviewed for RC Driver. So, you know, I said, okay, so now I want to get the original BJ4 brand new in the box, too. So I have both of my built cars that I reviewed and I'll have two brand new cars in the boxes, you know, especially because that one's like, 
he didn't make a lot of those cars. That's what you really got to remember is that, you know, the B44 when it came out was mass produced compared to, if they, I mean, they, they took that over from, from Jay Contest because there was just no way he could keep up with the supply, the demand for them, you know? Yeah. And I mean, the, especially that first car, the first car, I remember he had a waiting list, you know, that you had to get on a waiting list to get one. You know, and by the grace of working at a magazine was the only way that I ever ended up with one, you know, and, you know, Jason was super supportive and super cool. And, you know, we emailed them asking if we could get one to review. And I mean, he put us ahead of a bunch of people on a waiting list and gave us one. (laughs) I'm sure that went over well with people. (laughs) So, well, we didn't mention it to anybody for a long time, but, you know, but I mean, that's, I mean, that's how, you know, behind new things he was. I mean, he, he, you know, he was really into trying to get this off the ground. And I mean, at that point, J concepts was even a very, very new company. Yeah. You know, I think he had that J, he had that BJ four and I think his website had like three or four other things on it. <laughs> you know, So it was, he did not make a lot of stuff back then. And, um, you know, but there was no way he could have kept up with that production, you know, the production level, especially nowadays, the way, I mean, the BJ four really changed everything, you know, that made that brought four wheel drive back. And, you know, it's just one of those things. There are not a lot of those cars just because of that. You know, the the first yeah. car. I mean, I had one car, my car that I raced that I reviewed, and I think in the course of my, all my collecting, I ended up with parts to build another one and sold them off here and there. But you know, that and the world's car. I mean, they don't come up on eBay very often. Mm-hmm. You don't see them on Facebook very often. Nope. You never ever see them brand new in a box. You know, and that's why I jumped all over that one. And I, I think I even put myself in a bad place. You know, with money to get that car at that time but yeah you know i actually just sold it like a month ago i sold it to a guy so and then there was another one i think the guy put it on it was on on ebay actually the guy put it up there and i think it might actually even be up there now because i think he lowered the price a little bit but yeah i mean they they do not come up they you know bj4 is new in the box just do not exist no so yeah but but see i'm a i'm i don't care what what car it is I really don't. If it's brand new inbox, and it's it's older like that, I'm building yeah. it. That, that's <laughs> because, because to me it's it's great that it's in the box, but I don't. Yeah. If I'm gonna spend that kind of money to buy that like rare of a vehicle, and I'm just yeah. kind of using Why that in general, you make it that vehicle. But, but yeah. I'm not planning on selling it. I'm not buying it to turn around and resell yeah. it. I'm buying it yep. for me. So yeah. I want to see it built sitting on my shelf with a custom painted body. You know period correct right. to it yep. and that way when i have friends over that maybe know i'm into rc but don't know much about it they see it and they go holy crap that looks really old and it's like oh it is really old <laughs> but yeah, let me tell you about exactly. it right and then i can kind of spew yeah. until i'm red in the face <laughs> yep no it's cool i mean i like i said that jerks too i mean i wanted i never had one when i was a kid my my best friend had a jerks too and i remember that was like i was like oh you you know he had this thing, and you know, oh, and, oh, and it came with a poster. So I have a poster in my room too, and I was like, oh, you know. So then, you know, when I got into collecting, of course, you know, I get a Jerex too, and I, you know, I found a reasonably clean one, and I had it on my shelf and stuff like that, and I, you know, I bought enough parts to actually refresh it to pretty much brand new, and this one came along on eBay, and this was, you know, the good old days of eBay before anybody knew about vintage. You know, and you could get stuff, you know, you could find stuff like a brand new Jerex 2 in there and get away with it for a couple hundred bucks. And I grabbed this thing real quick, and it was a guy that was even in Connecticut, and I met him, and I picked it up, and, you know, I had it for a while. I'm like, you know what? I got to have it. For me, it was the nostalgia of my friend that had one. 
I had to have one. I had to have a brand new one, you know? So I sold the one that I had and that's what paid for me to put, cut this one open. <laughs> you know? So, you know, everybody kind of does it their own way. And it, you know, that's, I kind of like, you know, each segment of this hobby has its own thing, but it's sort of like a general consensus. But I think the vintage thing is kind of extra unique for the fact that it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people, you know? Yeah. You shouldn't so. have told me about eBay. I hate you right now. It's on there, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Four seventy-five, five hundred. Oh, it's it still says five hundred. Well, Look on Facebook. He has it on Facebook for four hundred seventy-five. Well, but he'll take offers. Like you can yeah. make an offer, or you could buy it now for five hundred. Yeah, he has it on Facebook somewhere for for four seventy-five. I forgot where I saw it. It was on Old School, or and it comes it with a bunch of like parts, like like yeah. sealed. Well, his pop-up it parts. was still new in box. He is still yeah. new in the box. Oh yeah, no, this one's new in the box, sealed still, but yeah. like it comes with like the four-piece battery posts, yep. the rear suspension mount, transmission spacer. Like, see, I'll have to look and see if I can find it on here for you. It comes with extra arms. Not that I'd ever need the extra arms, because like I said, I'd build it and it would sit on a shelf. Yeah. But I can't there's believe another it's still guy sealed. somewhere. <laughs> yeah, there's another guy somewhere on Facebook that he's got um he's got the uh wow. enough parts to build a world's car one. Jeez, eh? Yeah. Was, I forgot where he was from. He's it was out of the country, he was somewhere else, but he uh it's eBay. If you go to like the international eBay listings, there's a guy in there. He's got like the chassis parts, all the aluminum parts, like all the. You remember too that whatever wasn't a J Concepts part was a B4 part. So literally, you know, like there's one guy I was talking to recently, and he was like, "Oh, he's like, you know, I'm looking for the bumper," and I'm like, "Dude, that bumper is just a B4 bumper. Like you can find those everywhere. <laughs> like it's an SC10 bumper, it's a T4 bumper, it's a B4 bumper. Like, yeah, they still yeah. Make, <laughs> they still sell those cars, so they definitely still have that bumper. Yeah, they didn't, <laughs> they know, didn't like, recreate the wheel with a lot nope, of stuff. Like no, if it's if it's not carbon fiber and it's not blue aluminum, it's a B4 part. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, Jason was not buying, he was not making molds back then. No, absolutely not. <laughs> so it was, it's either a TC3 part, which is a B44 part, or it's a, you know, it's a B4 part and that's it. You know, that's kind of the cool thing about those kits too, is that they're really just, I mean, when it even came out, I was like, how cool is that? That's the same parts that my two wheel drive buggy uses. You well, know, but. And I've, I've always enjoyed like with, since they came out with like the B5 series stuff, like the B5 M, the T5M, the SC5M, they all shared a bunch of parts that were very similar from the transmissions to, um, you know, the front bulkheads, you know, the kick-up plates. All that kind of stuff was all interchangeable. The inserts for the things, and they've been doing that with, you know, with the, I'm not sure how much with the B6. I haven't owned any of the B6 stuff, but I like that idea of it where it was the only stuff that was super specific was like the arms or the shock tower or, you know what I mean? But when it came to yep. the ancillary stuff, you know, you could have an extra bulkhead and it didn't matter if it was your T5M you broke it on, the bulkhead that you ordered yeah. for your B5M works. Yep. You know, I mean, so. that was, that's, that's like an old automotive thing. I mean, that was what made the old Honda Civics and Acura Integras really cool is that they were essentially the same car. You know, everything, the motors, the suspension, all of that was all the same parts, yep. just different bodies, you know? Yep. yep. But I kind of, I so. like that idea. And then now I'm taking that idea and throwing it completely out the window because, you know, I got a Yokomo YZ2 DTM edition that I got to build. I ordered the new Techno EB410. 
I'm hoping yeah. that's coming in next week, you know, and, and I've got my T5M, but I call it the T5.6M because I've got a B6 laydown transmission in it. So, you know what I mean? Right. Now, I've, now I've went and created yeah. a big mess for myself because now it's no longer having, you know, a couple of parts on hand. It's having, you know, this part's for that car, this part's for that car. I don't think I'm going to need spare parts for the Techno for some reason. Just something doesn't yeah. strike me as needing a lot of you know, parts for You know what's but... cool about their four-wheel drive car is that I always said, why doesn't everybody just make an eight-scale car to scale down to ten scale? Mm-hmm. Like, those, mm-hmm. like an eight-scale. You think about an eight-scale buggy is near practically indestructible. You know, yeah. if you really think about it, how many times do you see them break an arm? Never. You not, never see it breaking. Not arm. unless they hit like a solid stationary. You object. have to hit a, a. You have to hit an army tank to yeah. break a, a buggy, a scale buggy arm. Yep. You know, but I mean, really, they are the most heavily endur- designed and durable cars there are. So I was like, why doesn't everybody just make a buggy, a ten scale buggy, the same way they make an a scale buggy? Especially the point that we're now to aluminum chassis. And sure enough, somebody finally did. That techno is literally an A scale e buggy down to ten scale. Yeah, shrunken. I yeah. know it's. I can. I cannot wait. Yep. So, so it'll be interesting to see if it's it, now actually as indestructible as the, I think it should be. The, the associated <laughs> was gone. Literally, as soon as I seen it, and I, I started hearing some preliminary stuff from like Randy and Jason Snyder about it. I was yeah. Like, okay, it's time to get rid of the four four three, and and boom, it was gone. And, you know, one of the fans of the podcast bought it uh, and he asked me to sign the body, which I know I've said it before, but it, that was the weirdest thing for me. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I know people enjoy the podcast. I know people listen and are, are fans and I'm using air quotations when I say fans, Mm -hmm. but the idea of somebody wanting my signature is just, okay, like get out of here. It's weird, right? It's (laughs) what the hell? What is, I'll say this. What is going on with this world? (laughs) I'm 15 years into working for RC magazines. It's still weird that anybody wants to know me for anything. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, it, it's it's bizarre to me. Like I had somebody ask me, if, you know, autograph a magazine for them. I've had, I had a kid that wrote a, his his school project about me. <laughs> you know, things like that. But to me, I'm like, why? Why would you do that? <laughs> it's just like, all right, you know. But it's it's weird. But you know, it's I guess it's I don't know. But, you know, it's just one of those things. And, like, I just, you know, if I could tell you the same thing, it's, you know, just, it's good to stay humble. You know, I like to be humble about it and, you know, realize that what little I have done in this world or something meant something to somebody is pretty cool, you know? Yeah, no, I can't, I can't. And that's, I'm trying to just make sure I always remember where I came from and why I'm doing this. And, you know, a lot of people, I've had people say, well, it must be nice to get free stuff. And it's like, if you think about the effort that I put into it, I don't it's consider free. it free. <laughs> it's definitely you know, free. yeah, absolutely, it's free in the sense that I didn't pay for this or that, or you know, I got a yeah. discounted rate on that or this. But if you talk to my wife and you talk to my friends and you find out how many hours sometimes I spend on social media or yep. in the basement on you know a podcast like this, like just for an yep. instance. Eric and I have been talking for an hour and 56 minutes, and I only talked yeah. to him for about a well minute and a half before we started recording, right? So <laughs> this, these, these are the things, and, and I don't look at it that way when, when things are happening for me. You know what I mean? I don't go, finally, it's paying off, because I never started doing this yeah. to get anything out of it. I did it because I sit there and I talk with my friends forever about RC, 
And, you know, it's, it's changed dynamic. I'm here by myself more than anything instead of with two of my friends. But I'm still okay with that because I know people enjoy it. I know I have an opinion and some people, believe it or not, want to hear it, which still blows my mind. But I feel like I have people out there that enjoy it enough that I should continue to do it. Where if I, yeah. if I stop doing it, they might, I, I think they'd maybe miss it for a month or two and then be like, who? MBM what? You know what I mean? Right. It'd be quickly gone out of every, but I, I feel like there's enough, there's those like yeah. tens of listeners that actually really want the it. Ten. So, yeah. You know, that, that's my, that was my, uh, why don't any of you podcast people, any of you, why are you not keeping track of what you're doing? How many people are you actually read, listening to this thing or anything? Like, there isn't a single one of you that actually has even a clue or will even take a gander at how many people actually listen to your podcast. Actually, one I, I look at the stats all the time. <laughs> I do, you know? well, because I kind of base on whether or not I'm, I'm on track and providing the show that people like. Like, don't get me wrong, I've had shows that have had phenomenal amounts of listens, which I think have more to do with the guests and their fan base checking it out but you know like oh boy i hope that's not the case with this one (laughs) but uh. i kind of chalk it up to if i can get and and normally i do it in the in a week span if i can get about 400 anywhere between three and 400 like statistical Mm -hmm. listens according to podbean's website in about a week then i've then i've i've done a good job Uh, that's cool i'm not too worried about anything past the, the week because of course it it has a natural like uptick, you know. You get a couple of listens mm-hmm. here, a couple of listens there, but you know, I I know in the heyday when Mike, Jim, and I were doing them like every two weeks, we were getting you know six seven hundred listens regularly. Right. Yep. So, but I'm good that's with four hundred. Like four hundred's lots. Like that's four hundred people that go yeah. and and get it. So yeah, I'm cool. Well, it's cool too. I mean, you know, you think about it too is it, if you the general rule is if you make regular content the same interval every time you will actually increase listeners you'll get six seven hundred people every single week because yeah. every week they go and they look the minute you miss a week miss two weeks miss a month you know before you know it's hey we haven't done one since march those people that went and looked for it and didn't find it two three times will never look for it again yep. you know and and that's kind of what it comes down to and it's it, it, that's the other thing i just like you know at the end of the day like you guys are all doing this for a hobby you know it, and for the love of you know having fun with your friends, doing something you love, talking about something you like doing and stuff like that. So it's not a business, but you know, that's, I remember at one point, you know, Tim was trying to do that with his and, you know, he said, Oh, you know, I got to do this. I said, well, you got to do it regularly. You have to be dead reliable on how often you do it and what you do and and all these things. And you have to establish a value to it or else these people are not going to, you know, they're not going to stick around. So, but it's always funny to me. Everybody, Oh, you know, however many listeners I got, or I got 10 listeners. Like, no, you have more listeners than that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm I'm not complaining. Listen, just brief stats in 48 episodes. We've had 33,051 downloads. See, there you go. That's probably more than magazines. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, and then, but you know, I remember when I started podcasting with Tim and it, it was intense. Like we were going every week, every week, you know, and, and because of the time zone difference for him and I, it was like, yeah. it's like, Tim, it's 12.30 my time, dude. I need to go to bed. I got to get up at 5. <laughs> like, yeah. But I loved it. That one time it. that the 
Yeah, that one time the three of us did his show. It was like we were up until like I was up until like two in the morning doing that with you guys. Yeah, yeah. I went and listened yeah. to it, and you know, I started off, and my voice was all normal. By the end of it, my voice is like this. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, but yeah, just it's been like I said, it's been a wild ride, and I love it, and I still I'm yeah. going to continue to obviously do it, and uh, and I'm working on doing more content more often. I just I went through a yeah. little bit of a a spell in the summer where I really didn't want to do anything, but I've kind of coming out the other side of it and I'm going to try and keep it more regular. I kind of jokingly made a tech tip of the month in the first part of the show (laughs) and I called it of the month. So that way there's really no more obligation than once a month. (laughs) Anything more than once a month is a bonus. Yeah. Um, Well, like I have, you know, on the side, I also, my podcast version of version of a podcast that I have my little, I have a website called vintagerccars.com. Mm-hmm. And I had started this thing. You know, I, I got it from somebody else. He had started it and he never did anything with it. He never even turned it live. And I took it over and I put some content up there and it was at the same time I left car action. So I said, you know what, I'm going to do this for fun and it'll keep me kind of writing and having some fun in RC and it'll, you know, be a fun thing to still write some articles and stuff like that. And I was doing it somewhat regularly you know, but I was at least with the understanding of like, there's not going to be weekly vintage content. There's just not, you know, I will, I will cover everything that's coverable inside a, a year or two, you know? But then I started doing like little things like in my time here, I found a cool picture. I said, Oh, well, we'll do a picture of the week, you know? And then picture of the week turned into like picture of the two weeks, picture of the three months, picture of the last one was eight months ago. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. you know, this, the problem with those things is it's a big commit. You know, once you say it's going to be this, it's got to be that, or just don't do it. You know. Well, and that's and when we started this, we had such a great opportunity because what we were doing is we were racing every two weeks. We were racing here locally, and then we mm-hmm. were all going down to St. Ignace to race. So basically, we were doing a show after every race day. So it was either on a Monday or on a Sunday, and we just yeah. kind of kept rolling with that. And then you know, it it. It blew my mind because second episode in, we I messaged Ty Tessman and he's willing to come on. He had just won yeah. the worlds, yeah. you know, right prior to that. And and what's been really cool is we've been able to kind of keep that trend with eight scale world champions. And we had Ty on, uh, we had David Ronafolk on, which figure this one out. He followed the MBM podcast on Instagram the other day, which that was really cool in my book. It's like wait a minute, I didn't know you could do that, <laughs> right? Yeah, we're <laughs> on some sort of like Instagram wizard. It, I thought that was really, really cool. I'm like, whoa. Yeah. The world champion, cool. the current world champion yeah. just liked my... But they're just RC guys. Well, you know and, that's, I mean? and I remember that. And that's, you know, Randy Pike comes yeah. on no problem now. And, yeah. you know, he's been great to the podcast. And there's just so much support. And it's, yeah. it's other than a select few individuals that are pros, it's super easy to get almost anybody on one of these. Which is great, yeah. which which right. allows us to provide content. And, you know, I get those questions from some of my friends locally that podcast. You know, there's um, the Space Jam podcast. They're on Podbean. Mm-hmm. That are uh, my friends uh, Wit and Robin, and then the J and K podcast with it, which is my buddy Joe and my buddy Carl. And you know, it's more Wit and Robin. They're like, man, how does your show get so many listens? I said, listen, I said, you guys do like a general information show where you talk about, you know, what's going on in, in entertainment. You talk about wrestling, you know, you have a bunch of stuff. I said, I'm in a very small, like niche category where there's, you know, a couple thousand people that love RC and I can grab five or 600 of those people because they want to listen to more anything RC they can get their ears on. It doesn't matter really what it is. They want to know there might be new information they can learn. There might be something that they can take from the show, whatever it might be. 
I said, so I said, you can't take my numbers to heart because if I change it up and I start doing the general information, if I don't market it the proper way, it's not going to get a lot of listens. And then I come to find out they're not on iTunes. And I'm like, there's your big problem. (laughs) (laughs) You got to get on all of them. I actually, I got to work on getting, getting this on Spotify because we're on Google play. We're on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. You know, we're on pretty much any podcast app that you can find out there. You can find us via it, except for Spotify. And I found out I got to register and get that on the way. Because if it's more yeah. available on all the services, then it's easier for everybody to get it. End of story. Right. So. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, and that's the thing, too. You guys are looking at Podbean, but there's other places that, like, I, you know, I don't get these through that. I get them on my iPhone phone through the Apple podcast thing, you know? Well, and that's so, it. That's the that's way I get mine, too. No, no, it does. Yeah. It, it, I, I have inquired onto how it tracks uh, the credit you get and everything like that. Yeah. What is my wife doing? To, I'm going to kill my wife. We're talking on Facebook. Yeah, she's <laughs> killing me right now on Facebook. Um, my phone just keeps on going off in the corner here. Oh, you're killing me, wife. Stop it. But uh, what was I saying? Ah, oh, she does it every time to me. <laughs> I was, I was doing, totally derailed your podcast. I was totally doing so well. <laughs> oh, but okay. So through some like prodding, talking to people at Podbean, like through chat and stuff like that, they are able to track stuff from iTunes and stuff like that, and, and which is beautiful. So the reflection that you get on all your statistics come from everything from everywhere it goes, right? So yeah. Which is nice. That's pretty cool. But, well, because I was really yeah. super apprehensive about it at first because I'm like, well, how do I know if these are legitimate numbers? How do I know it's not like iTunes hitting my feed, you know, 50 times looking for it? But it only hits it once to grab it and put it up. And then it... Yeah. You well, know, you're, you're, you're still in a far better and more honest place than most of the magazine claims have ever been. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, really, if 300,000 readers... How did you do that with only printing 45,000 magazines? <laughs> <It's> like, all right. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> right? Yeah, no, no comment, right? <laughs> yeah, no, none. So, yeah, no, I mean, the beauty being that the RC Magazine Black Sheep is that you can go spilling everybody's secrets. <laughs> I don't know so, any secrets. I have no idea what you're talking oh, about. Oh, I got secrets. Oh, I got secrets. I, I so. <laughs> I may or may not. I can't comment. Yeah. So yeah. No. If whenever I say I got secrets, three obsolete people all clinch. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody clinches. Yeah. No, no, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See, I know enough information, but nobody really worries about it because yeah. Who's going to listen to Canadian? Doesn't matter anyway. anymore. Yeah. Nobody, nobody's worried about the lies of an RC magazine anymore. <laughs> Apparently not. Well, they weren't worried about them back then either. So nope, exactly. Even well, when they well, were printing. Much of a choice. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> so. Oh well. Uh, yep. Right on. Well, what else did you got? Anything else there, big guy? Uh, let's see. Oh, you know what I wanted to ask you about? Oh, okay, I'm listening. Seeing as how you know this time last year. Things were a little different in the world. So, everybody back then was saying, if he wins, I'm moving to Canada. Did you guys have, like, a big influx of people? Not from the United States. <laughs> no? Maybe maybe from other refugee refugee countries, but... There were celebrities saying it. Yeah, apparently. I'm not sure. I never really, you know... 
I'm I'm the first. I love you know keeping up with people, make sure they you know they make absurd claims that they actually do them. But I didn't really follow up on that one at all. Yeah, we didn't have a sudden influx of celebrities that wanted to suddenly oh. become uh, Canadians. Yeah. No. Well, you know the thing was too is like I said last year is when that happens. Everybody's sitting there saying, "Oh, you know, if this happens, I'm moving to Canada. If, if she wins, I'm moving to Canada. If he wins, I'm moving to Canada." And I sit there and say to everybody, "What the hell makes you think that Canada wants you?" <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> stay, stay over there. Hey, they don't believe me. They don't, they, they, they're up there saying, "If you all these people move to Canada, we're moving somewhere else." <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny is the last couple of weeks I've been joking with the guys in California. I I was born on the wrong coast and in the wrong country. Yeah, <laughs> it is really. I mean, to be West Coast West Coast Canadian is. That's something. <laughs> I don't know. I just, no. I hate to say it, but and you even have to say it, like, really, California, Southern California is almost like RC Mecca for off-road racing. Well, it is. It is. I mean, that's where it all comes from. Right. Because it's warm there all the year, all the year round. Yep. It's reasonable weather all year round on top of being warm, so they can do it all year round, you know? So it's just... The default of it, you know, that's why Indianapolis is the head, you know, and Daytona are the headquarters of racing in the United States, you know. It's just where the big track is that everybody always uses, you know. So, it's just the way it fell, but it's pretty cool. What would ever made any sense to me, and I mean, I worked in this industry and I never really found out the answer was, you know, if for an industry that's out there, why was all the publications out here? Yeah, that <laughs> makes know, sense, never- doesn't it? Yeah, it's a great business model. We're going to move as geographically far as we can from all of our from all of our clientele, and we'll operate business here. <laughs> Why not? That makes perfect sense, doesn't it? I appreciate it. I mean, I was fortunate enough to grow up in the right place in the right time to be a magazine guy someday. You know, but that's still too cool. At least you can say it. that's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. You know what the thing for me is? It's it's not. It's cool for a different reason for me. For me, it's cool because it's not cool because, oh, you get to be a magazine guy. For me, it was cool because this is what I wanted to do when I was 11 years old. You know, when I used to go to the RC track and Steve Pond and Chris Keno and these guys would show up and, you know, with the photographer and they'd, you know, sit there and take pictures and they'd do all this little stuff and they'd drive the car around. And then, you know, a month, you know, a month and a half later, I'd see it in the magazine. And remember, I was, I was standing right over there off the side of this picture watching, you know, like that to me was. You know, I remember looking at them and like, I want to do that someday, you know, and I remember t- <laughs> I was like a little kid telling Steve Pond how I wanted to do this someday, and, <laughs> you know, and whatever else. And, you know, it was pretty cool. But it, the thing for me, that I, I feel truly blessed is that I got to do what I wanted, you know, when I was like, I got to be what I wanted to be when I grew up, you know? Yeah. So at least if if you could call this growing up, <laughs> you know, well, but, you know, no, I've, Randy Pike kind of said the same thing. Like, you know, he enjoyed the job he had before, which was like a service technician for, like, he worked on Dodge Vipers and stuff like that. Like, mm-hmm. that's that's some cool stuff to do. But like you said, he's getting paid now to travel all over and essentially play with toy cars. Yep. Like, race RC cars. Like, who wouldn't want that as a job? Yeah. You know, and, and you know, when I went... I've had when some conversations with other guys that say, you know, just keep keep at it. It can get there. It's like, listen, I'm being very realistic about it. So far, it's exceeded any expectation I've had. So anything that happens with what I'm doing is right. just, you know, That's icing true. on top of the cake <laughs> right. at this yep. point. But just to think about, like, you know, Randy never thought he'd be doing what he's doing. So, it, it, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. 
or you? I didn't really. You know, it's funny when I was in when I went to college. You know, when I or when I was in high school, I had to pick what I wanted to go to college for. You know, it was I always loved RC more than anything, and it was like you know whatever I do in li- for a living, I want to do it in RC. And I picked electronic engineering because you know not because I loved making circuit boards or computers or anything like that. It was because I wanted to go to work for Novak. You know, because at the time that was Novak was the pinnacle of speed controls. I wanted to go make speed controls for them, and I wanted to work in RC doing that. So it was just something that was relatable to RC, and it was. I was never an English student. I was never a very good English student. I was never a good student, period. But, you know, writing was never something that I saw myself doing. I just, I loved the lifestyle of these guys that I saw every week. And I thought that was the coolest job. If I could ever do something like that, that would be awesome. You know, and and understanding that they got to play with everything. And they got all this stuff for free to play with and, you know, and stuff like that. That to me was like, it it doesn't get better than that for an 11-year-old Eric Riker, you know. And, you know, I went to school for electronic engineering. I never finished school. I never worked for Novak. You know, I ended up becoming a graphic designer. I said, okay, I'm going to change majors. I'll be a graphic designer. I can work for car action as a graphic designer, you know, or, you know, I could work for whoever as a graphic designer. And I remember when I was in college emailing Gary Kais at Team Losi and asking him to send me, you know, pictures of products they had and like their logos and stuff like that. So I could use those things to design pieces for my portfolio. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, and yeah. he sent them to me. I mean, he said, he's like, well, we don't really have, you know, this is, I mean, the, in the late nineties, he's like, you know, we don't really have, you know, things that we can send you with that stuff for your computer, but you know, I can send you some catalogs and stuff and you can scan them and do whatever you want to do with them. And that's exactly what I did. I just took everything apart and, you know, and, and used it. But you know, that was, it was always, it was either going to be electronics and Novak or it was going to be graphic design and, you know, car action laying out magazines or something. And along the way in graphic design, you know, I was building websites and RC Driver had start, was starting up and they needed a website. And it was like, well, my friend Eric makes websites. And before I knew it, it was like, well, you know, that's the guy that always wants to be, always wanted to write articles, right? And yeah, he talks a lot, right? Yeah. Well, and, and before I knew it, I was, you know, they they met me for lunch. What I thought presumably was to talk about making a website for them, you know, and I was happy to do that. And it ended up with like, hey, do you want to write some articles for us? You know, and I was like, you know, it was basically, and it was sheerly out of the, the dumb luck that they needed help, <laughs> you know, and, and I was, and I just happened to be local. So... It, it just started that way, and it just became everything for me. It was, you know, I was working there. I was only getting paid for like 20 hours a week because I was only part-time, but I was there 40, 50 hours a week, you know, in the middle of the night reading articles, you know, proofreading things and doing whatever we had to do to get it done, you know. So it was it was cool, but, you know, I like I said, I just I feel very blessed to have been able to do what I wanted to do when I grew up, you know. Yeah, yeah, I hear what you're saying on that. Totally hear what you're saying on that because – I may not be doing what I envisioned I was going to do or thought I would do, but I'm very fortunate to have a very lucrative job that that allows me to do a lot of things that I enjoy doing. My only thing, and I I just, like, don't get me wrong, I always had interest in RC cars, but I really wish I would have found the hobby RC cars sooner. Yeah, you know what I mean because like I've always been like I'm always looking at things and trying to change things and build things and I you know because I kind of half ass it and don't have the right tools half the time it you know kind of works. Yeah, but I know that tends to lead itself towards mechanical engineering and I come from a family of engineers, of mechanical yeah. engineers at that right. So that's why that thought process of how to change things and make them work kind of makes sense to me, right? Like so. 
I always think that if I would have found this maybe before, like during high school, that it might have maybe changed what I, yeah. you know what I mean? Like that, that kind of thing. And that's kind of why I like put like getting new people, younger people into the hobby is because like maybe they're the next, you know, engineer of the year, whatever, you know what I mean? Like, right. how do you know that this little hobby isn't going to spark something in that person? Right. So, you know, my, my, so I found RC when I was 10 years old because I was such a rotten student that I literally never, ever did my homework. I never did homework. And by fifth grade, I started getting detention because I wouldn't do my homework, so they'd make me stay after school and do the homework then. And then because I stayed after school, I went to private school, so they had like a sports bus that left at like 6 o'clock, so I would have to take the sports bus home after detention, which meant when I got out of detention at 4 o'clock, I had like a little, like an hour or two to kill, I'd go to the library. And it wasn't even car action because there was no car action yet. It must have been like RC Modeler or something. It was like a plane magazine or it was a hobby magazine of some short sort that had like a couple ads in the back of it for like RC cars. And I'm, I know I still to this day remember it was a um, aristocrat kangaroo and an aristocrat dolphin. And I thought I was like these things look like spaceships, but they're like the wildest. They were like the wildest thing I had ever seen in my life. And like from then it was it wasn't even like it was just like a passion or a hobby to me it was like a total infatuation that i was like i have to have one of these things you know i started like ha- you know har- harping on my parents about it and it was every ride you know every ride to and from school on the bus you know i, met, I was looking out the window imagining an rc car driving along the side of the highway and jumping off the the guardrails and stuff like that and it was just always everything to me, you know, and it was like my parents, my mom always said, she's like, I never needed a babysitter. She's like, I could just leave you at home and you just sit at your workbench and work on your car over and over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So it was just, this was always like something that just to me was like, if I could ever do this, like this would be the greatest thing I could ever do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so. Well, for me, like I said, the whole, the mechanic, the reason why mechanical engineering sticks out to me so much is I remember my older cousin, he got for his birthday, you know, you remember like Rector sets? Yep. He got one of those, like one of the really big ones. And I remember my mom had brought me there because my aunt was watching me. And I I want to say I was like six or seven at the time. Mm-hmm. And the entire time I was there, that's all I did was I just kept building whatever it was. I don't remember, but I know I was building. And I do remember that when my mom came to pick me up. I wanted no part in leaving that. And my aunt even had said that. And I remember to this day, she's like, other than to go to the bathroom and ask for a drink, he has not left there <laughs> the whole the whole time he's been here. She's like, I had to force feed him almost. <laughs> so, like, you know what I mean? Those, those are those memories yeah. when you're young that stick out to you. And that, well, that was yeah. the one. I don't remember what I built, and I'm pretty sure it was probably something that would, easily would have fallen apart, especially at that <laughs> age, because I probably was not tightening things. But... That that kind of stuff, it's always love that. Like when the Technic uh, Technic Legos came out, yeah. Like I was on the borderline of being almost too old for them. Yeah, borderline. Like I was still, but like those were a hot ticket item. Yeah. I mean, my mom buy me as many of those as she possibly would without throwing a canary because you know they were well, they weren't cheap back then even. No, they're they're not cheap nowadays. Yeah. And even to this day, I'll go into Walmart and I'll see them and I look at my wife and I'm like. <laughs> I, I want to buy that. And she goes, but they're Legos. I'm like, yeah, but do you see what it makes? Like that I is want to really, go to that. Yeah, I, want to, I want to make that. And then now they're coming out with ones where like you put like a little motor in them and, and they're wired and everything. But I'm like, it's RC. 
Yeah. It's half-assedly RC, but this is RC. I got a reason now. (laughs) Those are remote control, not radio control. I know. I I love that, too. Thanks to Charlie Swenka doing that uh, the one time. I think Tim would call it, said remote control. And he goes, really? Where's the remote for the TV? Yeah. And since he said that all the time when I hear people call it, like, Locally, we're called the Sioux RC Car Club, and uh, we recently had a meeting with the city of Sault Ste. Marie to try and get um, a older tennis court um, leased to us so we could have like an outdoor facility during the summer months to just more or less practice on, but to give us somewhere where we could actually build and leave a permanently set up track for our cars. And every time one of the ward councilors would say the Sioux remote control, and I'm going, radio. <laughs> radio like at one point i want to stand up it's it's radio folks not remote radio right <laughs> but yeah Thank, yep. thanks charlie for that one buddy exactly well charlie <laughs> yeah. I like know, it's, it's it's funny because even like within my own time in rc which is, to me is like a blink of an eye in rc but like charlie was already in rc when i came into this and to see him now on like ESPN and doing all this other stuff to me is like the wildest thing. Like, you know, my son says, "Oh, there's this drone racing league thing on TV." I said, yeah, so you know the guy talking right now. I said, "I know him." <laughs> you know, that to me is like the coolest thing. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure you, you, you're some really. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, what do you know? <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Just remember that's to funny. your kids, you are always nobody. <laughs> well, of course, <laughs> of course. Yeah. I hear you on that yeah. one. What a yep. sh- what a show! You know, I was worried about not having like a long show for everybody, but damn, um, they're about they're they're gonna get another two plus hour show out of this. I'm like the like filler stig. You can always call. You can always count on me to just endlessly talk. But see, it's <laughs> not. It, and, and and it is because at the end of the day, everybody's gonna listen to it. And it's just gonna be kind of just a long conversation. But it's about RC, and to me, these are the kind of conversations I have with friends of mine. You know, it's, it's, I've been trying to, me and a friend of mine, Joel, who lives in Sioux, Michigan, we're trying to kind of work out a schedule where he'll be over here and him and I can sit down and do him because he's got stories of racing with, you know what I mean? Like being at big races with, you know, old Losi guys and uh, associated guys and stuff like that. And, and, you know, he has reasons as to why he won't run associated cars no more. And it stems further than the car itself. And yeah. it's just an interesting dynamic. So I said, that's why I love this hobby so much, man. It doesn't matter. Yeah. We can sit here and ramble on for hours on end. Tim and I have made it very apparent. You can ramble on about hours exactly. of RC stuff. Tim was always worried about, well, what are we going to talk about? I'm like, Oh, don't worry, buddy. There's, start there's talking. no shortage of material there whatsoever. Just start so. talking. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, you know, one of the things I was just thinking about, you know, we were just talking about how different people, you know, join in and stuff like that. But, you know, one of the coolest things that happened with my race this year, that it, it happens almost every year, and almost every year I never say anything, I guess, but the coolest thing that happens with my race is, like, I get a ton of door prizes. You know, like, I'm a believer that everybody should get something, you know? So I get enough door prizes that everybody leaves with at least a handful of stuff. And the cool thing with my race, though, is I get the people that come to my race bring things with them to donate to the door prizes, and I don't mean like some old junk or whatever, like an old, you know, beat up set of tires. I mean like, like they actually on the old school RC group on Facebook, they actually like got a collection together of stuff, and like somebody donated like a brand new in the back box, like one of the old Tekken conversion kits with like the chassis and the whole thing. 
and stuff like that. But one of the really cool things that somebody donated this year is this guy, Mike Ellis, that is a member of the group. And he was one of the old school racers um, and on uh, Skull Racing, which is like an old you know, racing team. I think they're in Illinois or something like that. But they used to go to like all these races and stuff. And he actually painted an authentic Skull Racing body and donated it as a prize to give away this year. I thought that was like the coolest thing. But to me, it's like, that's what's cool about this stuff too, is that like yeah. I get people that, I mean, this guy wasn't even at my race and he like made something to donate and stuff like that. That to me is like the coolest thing, you know? Dude, I had a listener, Jeremy Dre, send an RC4WD winch and wireless controller module yeah. for the SCX-102 giveaway. Right. Like, like not cheap things, you no, know? No, like <laughs> no. Yeah. He goes, I'm going to send you a winch and a wireless controller. I'm like, for what? He goes, for the giveaway. I'm like, are you sure? Like, yeah. You've Dude, now you officially put more eBay. money into this build than <laughs> I have, man. Like, <laughs> you know, I might have provided the $400 kit, but I only paid $8 for it. So that's right, really, exactly. like, you know, like. Yeah, but people get into it. And that, that's like, that's the cool thing to me about it, is like that the passion is there from other people, you know? So. Yeah, yeah. But that's for sure. something that, that's one of the things I'm always thankful with my race too, is that like the people that come have a great time and that's cool and you know, for me it's become like the excuse for my to see my friends once a year, but the fact that people love it so much that they'll give their own personal items away for it and that they'll give personal items away for it that they're not even coming to the race. You know, they couldn't make it or whatever else happened, but yeah. you know, they wanted to they wanted to be part of it somehow, you know? That to me blows my mind. Yeah, I I can't disagree with that at all. It does. Yeah, I love this hobby. It's a cool little hobby. It is. You know? It is. It definitely is. Well, so. I think with that being said, then I think we're gonna wrap up this episode. I want to thank, right. of course, everybody for listening and checking it out. Um, of course, make sure you go and where where is everything available for the Vintage Off Road Nationals? Like, where can that all well. be found? There is the website, the vintageoffroadnationals.com, as well as you can find stuff on vintagerccars.com, including all the coverage from this year's race. More importantly and more prominently is Facebook. We have facebook.com forward slash vintageoffroadnationals. And you can check out Old School RC on Facebook, and you can check out my page, Vintage RC Cars, on Facebook. So there it is. That's where you can find everything. Uh, and, of course, you know where to find us. Make sure you go out there and give a like to the Facebook pages because it's always worth supporting anything in uh, RC. And, of course, from me to everybody, thank you very much for being supporters, listening to the show, putting up with the horrible schedule and the fact that I don't do these often enough for you. But, like I've said before, I'm definitely going to make a more solid effort to do this on a regular basis for you guys. And who knows, you might hear from this guy a little more often because he has things to say. And I'd love to come on. I, I have, have an ears opinion. to listen. Exactly. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that. And I know the guys from California, uh, when they can come on, they want to come on. Uh, drag racing has become my new little obsession, and I'm not going to be able to do it now for like six months. So I'm going to have to figure out lots of ways to try not to spend a ton of money on stuff that's going to sit on my workbench for six months. <laughs> I, I think you should build a speedrun car. No, I don't, I don't have anywhere to run that at all. <laughs> There's one person on the West Coast laughing right now. Yeah, I know. I guarantee you he's giggling <laughs> about that one. What's yep. up, Tim? I don't have to do that. See, that's the whole trip to California. We're going to deal with that when I go there. He's got his cars. Driver of the year. I know. He is. 
Just car action. <laughs> Real driver of the year. Yeah. For what year was that? Like 2016? No, it was 15 or 14 or something like that. It was after I worked there, so maybe it was 14. I can't remember. I'll have to go back and look. Was it three years ago already? It was a while ago. No, oh. it was probably 15. Okay. I think it was 15 because 14 was when I left, and that was when him and Charlie went to accept the the yeah, yeah, award for Max Amps dressed as Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> I love it. I love and then that. it was the next, that was when he went up there on the stage and he decided, I want to be driver of the year. And he started picking my brain. I said, I know exactly how you do this. <laughs> and we made up like this whole plan. And the beauty of it was, it was a completely ludicrous idea with a com- even more ludicrous plan, but it worked. It did. It actually worked. It did. <laughs> I, I put my work in for it. I'll tell you what. I can, I can prove the results that we, <laughs> we, we he won. <laughs> Just for anybody listening, that's what I've been alluding to for the last few years, is that he got screwed out of it. I've just yeah, never come out Tommy. and said it. Car action driver of the year. Do you think you'd ever be able to get anybody to admit to that? Nope. They they never <laughs> would, would they? Nope. Damn it. Business is business. I hear you. Yeah. All right, folks. Well, thanks for checking us out. Uh, thank you for listening to the MBM podcast. We'll be back hopefully in a week or two. I've just got to figure out who I can else finagle to get in here to talk about something. Maybe I'll get Joel in. That's what I'll do. Yeah, that'd I'll, be good. I'll make Joel come and sit here and talk with me. He'll probably spend more time making fun of me than anything, but yeah. that's good, too. That's good. All too. right. All right, well, folks. Ne- I'll see you next year at the Vintage Off-Road Nationals. We're, we're, we're going to work on it. All right. <laughs> let's get working. <laughs> All right, thanks, folks. We'll catch you in the next episode. Take it easy, hosers.
Everybody,